right, welcome everybody to, I think what's going to be one of the best Collector Cast shows we've ever done, just from the topic that's at hand. For those oh, of you that are not here with us recording, you happen, you just have to know that for us, the day is 9-9. Well, uh, Mortal Kombat 2 came out for the home consoles. 9-9. So, Mortal Kombat 2, guys. Yes, Mortal Kombat Derp. 2 show. Not it. No. No. Was there something else? Was there something else that came out on uh, 9999? The single greatest console launch of all time also occurred on 99 of 99. I'm pretty sure the NES launched uh, much earlier than that, but go ahead. 85, Bill, come on. (laughs) (laughs) This was my absolute favorite console launch, the Sega Dreamcast. Oh, that's right. We're going to have a Dreamcast blowout special here today. Uh, But let's get some formalities out of the way. So those voices that you hear, I I am the melodious Duke Togo, your host. And uh, joining me is a, a man that uh, plans to add maybe an extra fridge of beverages in the back and then relabel his store, the new Game Quest. <laughs> Krabby. Crabmaster. Hey, guys. How are you? I am in a fantastic mood. Yeah, you've been battering down the halls of, of uh, justice and really... It's you, been going well. Yeah, you're winning the day up in yeah. the cold north, right? So people yeah. will be able to sell you stuff quickly and all that. Couldn't be happier with how it's moving along. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and uh, a man that was deeply sad to learn that the new 3DS was not called the 3DS X. Uh, Bill. <laughs> wow, Bill. <laughs> well, What's all up, the Bill? systems with X at the end, they're just more melodious. Because they're extreme. <laughs> <laughs> But that sets us up well. We're talking about the 90s. So a um, couple quick things to get out of the way. Where can we find us, guys? Bill, where can people get at the show? www.collectorcast.com. Does that need the HTTPs in the front? I don't remember. <laughs> really, really not necessary. <laughs> okay. Um, What's it, the AOL keyword? If you're, if, you're, if you're using IE4 or earlier, <laughs> you might need the hypertext transfer protocol colon slash slash and forward slashes those are important right world wide web well and only if you're not only if you're on the uh, internet and not your intranet <laughs> very and good then so yes world wide web that's right collectorcast.com but crabby where else i've heard we have a twitter feed we do i'm pretty <laughs> active on it you guys should be too bill did you get I, the message i sent you i did i saw it i uh, uh i'm i'm flattered that someone would think of one of us, and even more flattered that it was me. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> so you have to you have to log on to the account and check that out. Somebody wants to send you a freebie, so take advantage I, I, of that I one. I will, and that's very nice of them. Um, I believe I might have the freebie they want to send me, but I have no problem accepting free NHL games so I can spread them to other people. <laughs> the illness keeps <laughs> spreading. Um, yes, very good. So definitely Twitter. Where else, guys? Uh, rfgeneration.com yeah you can go to that silly website where you can track your collection <laughs> and talk to us which is awesome and there's a show thread over there for the show so you can definitely mm-hmm. do that um, and we're on uh, the actual show itself you can find it on uh, YouTube right yeah that's where yeah, I, that's where where I always watch work. it yeah but of course because who blocks YouTube <laughs> there you go not not uh, well 
my company does, but I'm in charge of the DNS filters. So, uh, <laughs> 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 da, da, da. hope your boss didn't listen to this one. Uh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> where else, Bill? Where else can people get the show? Matt, you ever feel like it would take less time to list all the places that we aren't? Maybe. Oh, but we unfortunately, so many, we're locked we into this awkward so, stance. So many places. <laughs> the long-awaited Zune marketplace. Zune. That's right. Uh, let's rapid fire him. Krabby, where else? Uh, Stitcher. Yeah, Stitcher. And? Podcast Pickle. Uh, uh, yeah, there you uh, go. He beat me to it. Yes. And <laughs> Facebook. So anywhere and there's the podcast in your ear holes plus... Uh, Podomatic, anywhere. right? Podomatic. The Podomatic app. Yeah. Serious right. XM. No. Not oh. yet. Soon. <laughs> Maybe if they'll take us. I'm. We're going to bump Stern off. Don't worry. Um, All right, so uh, yeah, let's start off like we have been the last few times. We've got some questions from the Facebook and the Twittering. So uh, let me pose you guys some questions here. Uh, The Mm -hmm. first one up is from at M. Flaginski. And Mr. M. Flaginski says, what do you guys think about collecting potential for collecting discs? And I was happy that he spelled it properly with a C. Does their (laughs) lack of durability raise any concerns? Thanks. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Bill, jump yeah. in. <laughs> I've got no concerns at all. I, I love discs. Um, Turbo CD, Saturn, PlayStation, Wii U, PS2. I've got lots of discs at home, and I'm planning to get many more. Oh, and I should mention Dreamcast as well. Mm-hmm. Bill? It's really weird. I'm not... I have zero concerns with older discs. And it, sound, it probably should be reversed. Like, I should be more concerned about the older discs. Um, but I have zero concerns about PlayStation, uh, like Xbox, PlayStation 2, Dreamcast especially. Um, I find things, discs newer than that, less interesting. Um, I, so I don't know if that's uh, exactly his question uh, as far as, you know, like concerns about collecting discs. Um, I just don't collect them because I don't think they're as interesting. What about the evil disc rot? I've never run into that yet. I have also, like, I feel like it's a myth. (laughs) Like, I feel like it's something that you can, like, recreate in a lab, but you've never seen in the wild. (laughs) I've yet to run into it myself. Like, maybe someone's got, like, like a swampy basement and, like, there's, like, bacteria (laughs) eating through someone's disc somewhere. And, like, Mythbusters is like, oh, yeah, it could totally happen. Um, I, I also feel like disc rot is more... Uh, likely on really crappily made cheap media and something that's like commercially pressed um, and maybe like, you know, has like a, uh, like a protective coat over, you know, the, uh, the, the side with the, uh, the data. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm, I just never really been worried about disc rot. Like I, a lot of people, uh, you know, they bring it up, but I don't know, I guess until it happens to me, it's not real. Yeah, I still play games, listen to music, and watch movies from the 80s on discs, and I have no issues with anything even that far back. All right. Uh, well, me personally, I, sometimes I think about getting out of discs, uh, maybe just keeping the super ones I really like, just because it's me. I'm an old cranky jerk, and uh, <laughs> I like I like plastic cartridges much better. Uh, but I'm not deeply concerned about, about disc rot or damage. I keep mine in, you know, I think if you keep it in a fairly climate-controlled environment and you're not putting them in weird places, uh, they should be fine, at least probably longer than my lifetime. So, I mean, I'll be dead. What do I care, right? Yep. <laughs> Somebody will sell it on eBay anyway. Whatever. 
All right. So um, up next, we've got uh, one of our UK listeners send us a, a message. So oh, cheers. At, yeah, it's Chip Hip Cheerio, right? Um, at Starlack we UK. One, we have one fewer UK listener now. <laughs> <laughs> I just chip fish and chips. That's all I know. Right? <laughs> I've been in, I've been in the UK. Oh, really? Yeah, for a Very minute. Nice. Um, so star at Starlack UK. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But that's how I was. That how you guys would say that Starlack UK? Yeah, like Starlack, Starlack. Yeah, kind of like that. So Starlack UK writes, "What was the first game you ever bought?" Quote as a collector. End quote. And why? As opposed mm. to one you just got as part of everyday buying and playing. It's so hard to remember <laughs> because you guys, obviously you already like all of us as gamers, we already had games and it's not like one day you decide I'm going to be a collector and I'm going to buy this game because I'm a collector now, you know, like it's, there's always the intention of play behind that purchase decision. Um, so it's hard for me to pick out like, you know, like the first game I bought because I thought it was going to be collectible and not necessarily to play. Um, but it might have been in the Xbox 360 launch in a couple of years um, when there was a uh, Mass Effect uh, uh, collector edition. Oh, yeah. I wish I had that one. Yeah, I don't have it. But that was the first time I remember seeing a thing and thinking, I think that's going to be rare. I think I'm just going to get it and leave it on a shelf. And you should have. I should have. <laughs> that would have been a good. That would have been a good decision. Because, uh, well, and not even because of the money. Because like I don't, I don't buy things to sell them. Um, I mean, like things that have value, like they're just you know they're cooler. Um, but uh, I still, you know, whether it was sold for a lot of money or a little money, it'd still be sitting on my shelf. So, I it doesn't make me feel too bad when stuff like kind of blows up in value that I don't have. Um, I just wish I had it. Cause it's cool. Yeah, definitely. Grab it. Uh, it's gotta be stadium events. <laughs> what? This, this is the first time <laughs> I ever spent money on something that I could play in some other form, and I knew it wasn't just because I was gonna. I was curious about it. Like, I, I would have just went with World Class Track Meet if that was the case. That's like one of the only games I bought as a collector that I didn't have like a intention to just buy it and see how it was. I can believe that because you played like forty something hours of like RBI baseball or whatever. Yeah, right? I, I, mean, I intend to oh, put heaven. a lot of time into into all my games. That one, I just wanted to you know check that box, complete the the NES library list. Uh, for me, it's got to be Stack Up. I remember. Oh, she, she was probably yeah, that's buy that for the gameplay. Come on, yeah. yeah. I was uh, in the 90s. I was at uh, one of the local rental stores was, you know, of course, getting rid of their NES stuff because it wasn't cool. And, uh, and <laughs> they had, did they know. Yeah, the little did they know at that time. Uh, but they had Stack Up. And uh, I had literally not ever really seen Stack Up anywhere. Besides, I mean, like, I remember when it was out in the store as a kid, like in the big box, you would see it. But other than that, I'd never saw it. I was, like, surprised to even see it. Honestly, like, what, like a rental store had Stack Up? But, uh, yep, I picked up Stack Up, and that was eons ago, and that was probably the first time I bought a thing just to, like, I went, oh, this might be something. Um, and unfortunately, I probably didn't pick up the other 50 carts that were probably worth <laughs> way more that were sitting right there. I'm sure, you know, they were, you know, all that stuff. But uh, They had that zombie nation for you right there. You missed it. They probably out, did. Um, I also remember buying uh, 
uh, Dracula X from Blockbuster on clearance for six bucks, uh, brand nice. new, uh, which I later made a lot of money off of because I kept it sealed. But there was a whole stack of them, <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? If I would have just somehow known, I would just bought all of them and been very, very wealthy. Been, that would have been a new car. Yeah, yeah. Or like the stacks of of uh, Earthbounds that I remember saying. <laughs> anyway. Mm. Could have, should have, would have, right? Um, all right, up next we've got at the single banana. I think we know this guy. Ooh, the single banana. <laughs> at the single. So what that really tells me is even Rich is on Twitter, Krabby. <laughs> <laughs> People ask me, hey, Krabby on Twitter. No, no, can't be bothered. So at the single banana says, what is your favorite beat-em-up for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System? I'll be listening to ensure you pronounce them correctly. <laughs> Why? What games would anyone mispronounce? I don't know. Maybe Combat Tribes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not uh, on it on the top of anyone's list. <laughs> I sh- I sh- yeah, I should probably not go first. As, as mainly a Genesis guy, I didn't play a ton of beat-em-ups, so I'm going to have to think about it. Let's make Chris go first this time. Uh, I, bet I, can, I bet I can guess. Why don't you just tell me the name? <laughs> what do you think? Um, is there a final in the name? Uh, there is final. I would say, oh man, just Sega CD Final Fight really beats the living tar out of Super Nintendo Final Fight. <laughs> right, but we're not talking the best version of uh, Final Fight. We're talking about beat him up on the Super. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, even I've had a lot of time to think about this, and I've really not come up with a fantastic idea. <laughs> there just aren't, right? What? I mean, um, so this is this is my wrong. answer. All right, this is my answer. The Ninja Warriors. That's, that's my that's my answer. It's a good pick. Yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah. But the Genesis really blows the crap out of Oh, no, that's not true. Come on, like For, combat tribes? Come on, I man. Think in in this in this genre, I think there's not a whole lot of genres that I think the Genesis destroys the super in. I I kind of feel like this is one of them. Beat 'em ups and shooters, man. I I can't agree with that. Well, I we, your opinion is welcome here, and I'd All love right, so, to hear. So, so bring it, bring I, it. I had a hard time picking because I had so many that I liked. Okay, um, I could. I, I have to go. Like you guys have seen my avatar. Obviously, I got to go with Final Fight just because the pile drivers are awesome. So original Final Fight. Yeah, it's always number one. Not even. Um, not even. It, it was close with uh, with Captain Commando and Knights of the Round, though. I absolutely love those games. Yeah, Knights of the Round was pretty good. Yeah. I'll give that to you. You play Captain Commando? Uh, I've played it a couple times, and I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. It's okay. You, it's you get to good. be a baby who's a genius <laughs> and drives like a mech robot that he built, and that's your character. It's like the best. It's something. Yeah. <laughs> and then there, you played a uh, King of Dragons. Yes. Uh, yeah, I had that one. I think uh, it's traded it. I've still got the box. I think. Ooh, you want to part with that? I'm always up for tradesies. <laughs> All right, tradesies. We'll talk after. Sweet, <laughs> Bill. Anything? Can you help us? Um, here? You have to keep in mind that I didn't play a lot of beat 'em ups on the Super Nintendo. Please tell me Combat Tribes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to go with Alien versus Predator. Cool. Alien versus Predator. I mean, it's not going to make anyone's uh, you know list, but like it was like that you know kind of arcadey. You know, kind of double dragony, you know, final fighty, like beat em up style, but like 
your your predator and you're fighting hordes of aliens and like I just thought it was cool and uh, it's one of the only uh, uh, games in that uh, style that I played on the super I, pl- I played mostly Genesis in those days um, but I liked it a lot sweet Batman Returns gets an honorable mention from me too okay I can see that I don't know if I played it on super I played Batman Forever no 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 oh, God, my, so much t- different yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'll just throw out there that uh, I am actually looking to replace a copy of the Ninja Warriors. So, to our listeners, <laughs> anybody has one sitting around. Uh, okay, up next at Wimpy Animations, I think this might be Wimpster. At Wimpy <laughs> Animations, ass. It's a big Popeye fan. Maybe, maybe he'll gladly pay you Tuesday. Uh, if you could only play one game franchise for the rest of your life. Oh, man. What would it be? Only, he's given some examples, only Mario games, Final Fantasy, etc. It's pretty broad. But uh, right. what game franchise? Rest of your life, that's it. Oof. Does this include spinoffs? With, as long as they have the franchise name. I'm going to say no. So, like, you can't say Mario Kart if it's the Mario series. Okay, but like, uh, if you, no, I guess if, that's if you, if, yeah. like, if you say Mario games, that means like the platformers and not at the Olympics. Yes. I would say 3D and 2D Mario. Okay, so here's, here's my big question. If I say Mega Man, does it include Mega Man X? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, that's, that's my that's, answer. Because that's a major Mega game, Man. main game in the franchise. That You're going with yeah. Mega Man? I'm going with Mega Man. Like, I never get sick of it. Okay, all right. All right. Mega Man 2 is pretty awesome. I'll give you that. Is, All right. Is he allowed three, to all, three and X. <laughs> is he allowed to also play Rockman, or is that against the rules? Um, I, I guess, yes. I will, I'll you, give him that. You'll I'll allow it. I'll, I'll allow it. it. <laughs> that's right. I'll give him that. Uh, Thank you, Worship. Mega Man Soccer, though. No, that's that's right no. out. Yep, right uh, out the door. Yeah. I changed my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Bill? Oh, man, this is rough. Uh Oh, only play one. Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead. Oh, this is so difficult. Um, do, just due to the sheer number of hours that I can drop into these kinds of games, and if I'm only going to get to play one, um, I would need a developer to continue making content for it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, The Elder Scrolls. Oh, yeah, I could see that. So, you know, like, as long as they keep making, you know, whatever the next, and, and not the MMO, uh, the, uh, the, you know, Oblivion style, Skyrim style, um, you know, and like the Fallout formula, I'd love to also play the Fallouts, but he said one franchise, not one style. Um, so I'm going with, uh, Elder Scrolls. Very interesting. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Castlevania. It's probably pretty really? easy. It's probably pretty easy for everybody to figure do, that so out. Do you, ha- do you have to separate 2D from 3D in that one? No, because I would give you in Mario. I'd give you the 3D Marios. Right. And they're all, you know, action games or whatnot. So I think that's pretty fair. There's a lot I of would, I'd love, love to challenge Duke to only play nothing but Castlevania games for one year. <laughs> what's, what's my prize? <laughs> um, it me, a it, life fulfilled. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not a good enough prize. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, I've been working on my pile of shame. What have you guys been doing? Yeah, that's true. I'm. I'm you're making me feel a little more shameful right. watching watching all your posts. I'm almost ticked off two of mine. And I've list, got. So. Uh, yeah, no, I was proud of you with your dragon warrior. That was very exciting. That's right. Um, I the, the, I've only I've I mean I've been I've moved and everything I've got one of my games from the pile on deck 
now that like everything's hooked back up, uh, Isret, uh, uh, in the, uh, thread of the last show, um, he said, I knew you were going to say black as soon as you started talking about Criterion. <laughs> um, and he said, it's a really good game and it's not terribly long. So I pulled it out. It's on deck. It's going to happen. All right. He says the same day Destiny drops that he bought. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing copious amounts of Destiny today. I would imagine you have. Uh, you know, I almost, I, I'll tell you, I was really tempted to say Rock Band. Really Ooh, tempted to say Rock Band. What a fantastic answer. Yeah, I, it was like a super close decision there. Yeah. Rock Band it, is it, awesome. It, it is that style of game that you, I really can just like, if anyone just walks into my house, like, because I don't normally play it, but like if someone walks in the house and say, hey, you want to play that? Of course. Absolutely. That would that would be fantastic. Let's get everyone over and get some food and just make a day. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's um, a good answer. I, I know Krabby's yeah. more of a, a circles guy, right? Yeah, circles are way greater than rectangles. Well, hey, <laughs> we, we told you you could have an opinion, but you can't just be... <laughs> That's not an opinion. That's a fact. <laughs> wow. Circles are better. Whatever. Uh, all right. Last one. Uh, at Real Jeff Funstick. All right. That sounds... <laughs> Sounds like Jeff has a good time. Uh, <laughs> at Real Jeff Funstick asks, "Have you guys ever had a bad experience in trading or buying where you got ripped off?" Um, I've had a few, but they were my fault. <laughs> you ripped the guy off, and no, 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 like I got ripped off, and it was my fault. <laughs> oh, okay, so I mean, so, like you, you, you overpaid for something, or I, I, I have a tendency to get like really excited. Okay, I can imagine that. And I don't like keep my cool. So like instead of like seeing a thing and having a poker face, like I see a thing and like I touch it and then like I look at it and I flip it around and like and then I'm like, "Hey." And then I don't know what to say. Like, you know, I've got <laughs> the whole thing in my head before. So like there's been a few times when like I, you know, will buy something and then, you know, it, whether it's at a store, or at a flea market and then like get home and it's like, "Oh, there's no manual in this thing." Or like you know, you look at it really like closer, and you're like, "Oh, this this isn't as nice as I thought it was." <laughs> so, <laughs> not and uh, but uh, I think more along the lines of like getting ripped off. Um, I have gone to like you know drive 35 minutes for a Craigslist lot, and person tries to hike the price on you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's kind of you know like hey, like you know that person's trying to rip you off, and then what happens is like you end up like you know listen, like I just drove 30 minutes. Like, this is what you said it was going to be. That's what I'm paying you. And then they're like, well, I got another guy who's saying this. So like, you kind of have to, you know, they've opened the negotiating back up. So I always feel like that's probably a lie and they're just trying to get some extra bucks from you. So like, I kind of feel ripped off when that happens. But at the end of the day, like if I didn't think it was a good enough deal to make the purchase, I would walk away. So I don't think it's ever been so bad that like, I've, you know, been fuming about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, those here and there, you'll kind of like go home and I'm like, oh, I really should have kept my cool and not like, you know, just thrown dollars at that thing. Crabby, mm. ever get ripped off? Yeah, two times. Both, both online purchases. Um, I won't name any names, um, but for a member on Nintendo Age, um, took a picture. I was buying about 20 games off him. Mm -hmm. So he, he took the picture of, uh, all the games so that it was far enough away you could see all the games. And there were a couple uncommon ones I probably should have asked for closer pictures on, but from the one he sent, they looked great. And mo everyone else I've ever dealt with has just 
you know, if there's a major error with something, they will say like, hey, you know, everything looks great except this one game has this, you know, rip in the label or whatever. Right. And so, you know, I'm I'm at fault too for not asking for more detailed pictures. But I got a copy of uh, Gemfire on the NES and Pro Sports Hockey included in this lot. Hmm. And the Gemfire had a pretty nasty gash in the front of it that it looked like the person just like used their finger to fold it back down so you couldn't see it. Oh, yeah. And the pro sports hockey had a nice nick out of the side too of the front label that uh, was pretty noticeable up close, but not from like a couple feet away. Mm. So I, I felt a little bitter about those ones just because usually when I'm paying for an uncommon game, I'm paying for the quality too. I, I, if I get a crappy common game, you know, I can condition upgrade it later. Right. So those ones kind of burned me. And then uh, in the last year, I remember on RF Gen, not a regular member, um, had a for sale thread and I, there was a lot of stuff he had on there that I could use for the store. And we ended up working out a deal for around 200 bucks and he has never logged on since. Oh. Yeah. So I was just, and, and I was so busy opening the store that I missed the 30 day window to uh, try and get a refund through PayPal. So I was, I was out of that. That sucks. Yeah. That sucks. Um, for me, I'd say, yeah, I bought a Vita. But I'm... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm, come on. I, oh, oh. Come on. <laughs> no, I, seriously, though. No, one time I bought a Commodore 64 uh, Craigslist meetup. Uh, bought a Commodore 64 setup, disk drive, a bunch of stuff. And I got home and the Commodore 64 was dead. Dead on a doornail. Um, so I had to eventually find another Commodore 64, but... You know, I think I paid a f- pretty fair price for everything, so I was kind of unhappy when I got home. But it was one of those Craigslist meetups where you text somebody and you end up in a parking lot. So, uh, you know, yeah. when the guy wouldn't answer my texts, what am I supposed to do? So, yeah, when uh, it's 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 funny how like my perspective on Craigslist has changed over the last few years. Like it used to be, you know, someone has your number, you have their number, you're texting, and like now. I'm thinking like I don't want to give anyone my phone number. Like <laughs> I cr- I create like dummy email accounts now, and like it, it, I I used to be like oh sure here's my cell call me swing by the house whatever, and now like and nothing's happened to make me like you know more cautious. You got, you got a child now. Yeah, it might be might be it. I'm just like I, D- daddy same, can't come home stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> and same thing same thing with sports. My wife's like, what sports are you gonna play? I'm like, well, I don't want him hanging out with those football drinking high school guys. <laughs> so he's not playing football. He's only five months old, but let's not yes. let's start start him off down that path. No, no. Well, we don't want him. You know, no baseball, no football. <laughs> he's just gonna play the cool sports. Uh, we we played it safe. Our kids in swimming and gymnastics. That's there good. You go. hmm? Uh, you know, Bill, here's the magic. I Google voice. <laughs> then it's, it's not really oh, your voice. It's for... really not your number. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, it works for me. Nice. All right. Uh, well, thanks everybody very much for sending in, in those questions. And, uh, as always, if you've got more, then, uh, feel free to shoot them our way. Hey everybody, it's Duke here to tell you again about our sponsor, Off the Charts Video Games. Be sure to listen all the way through the spot because there's a special offer at the end for CollectorCast listeners. 
We all know that shopping online for video games can be a hassle. If you shop on eBay, you have to pay shipping to each individual seller. On Amazon, you never see what you're really going to get. And as for the leading online classic game retailers, well, we all know that their prices aren't the best. After years of collecting, trading, and selling on multiple marketplaces, the guys at Off the Charts Video Games have built a site with the needs of collectors in mind. OTCVideoGames.com gives the experience of a brick-and-mortar store while you relax at home. With pictures and individual descriptions for every item, you will know exactly what you're going to get. Every game is tested in-house on their multi-system testing station, so your order will come back with their quality guarantee and great customer service. Off the Charts now sells separate boxes and manuals, so you can buy complete and box games all at once, or complete your loose games. Browse their games, boxes, and manuals separately, or all together. Boxes and manuals are posted now for Nintendo 64, and are coming soon for other systems. Everyone knows the most annoying part of buying online is shipping. Well, at Off the Charts, orders over $50 get free shipping in the U.S. Not only that, but they always ship orders out the next business day, Monday through Friday, and every order gets tracking. Choose your favorite provider, whether it's UPS, FedEx, or the U.S. Postal Service. Check them out for yourself at www.otcvideogames.com or see their inventory updates and meet their staff on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube with the handle OTC Video Games. Again, that's www.otcvideogames.com and OTC Video Games on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. As a limited time special offer for CollectorCast listeners, Enter coupon code COLLECTORCAST at checkout to receive a 5% discount on your order. Again, that's coupon code COLLECTORCAST, all together, one word, no spaces. Alright, so uh, in this episode, we're going to spend some time to talk about um, the last, and really, I think one of the great Sega consoles uh, that came out, and that was the Sega Dreamcast, which launched 15 years ago today, as we record this, on September 9th, 1999, so $9,999, that was the big deal, at least in North America. Now, of course, in Japan and Europe, it's different, but that was the big launch day here in the U.S. for that one. Um, and there had been stories about the Sega Dreamcast for some time, and there was kind of like some back and forth where they'd gone. There was like, remember, do you guys remember the stories? Where it was like two competing designs for the Dreamcast. No, I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, there was some in- internals, like, uh, they were working on what the next platform was going to be like. And there was one design that was from one team, and then there was another design from another team, and they kind of battled back and forth until they eventually decided on the one that became the Dreamcast, and Lord knows whatever happened to the other one. But I remember because there was code names, and I think the, the one, the code name that eventually went out was the code name Katana, and I think you can still see that. Uh, on the Dreamcast motherboard, I think it might still say Katana, but uh, I don't remember what the other code name was. But they were like, you know, and those in EGM and all those magazines at the time, there was a lot of stories about because they had made some public statements or one of the companies they'd work with. Because uh, do you guys remember 3DFX? Yep. Yeah, they. I guess they had originally talked about going with 3DFX, and then there was some sort of falling out there, and eventually they went with um, some other company for their 3D tech. So. 
That was interesting. And then they also did a big partnership with, how weird is this, Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, for the Dreamcast, they had really two uh, modes that you could write software for. There was like the standard like our console mode, which was like most consoles where you're just writing code straight to the actual hardware itself. And then they had um, Windows CE. Uh, which was like a mobile device operating system that they had for all sorts of like handhelds and things at the time. But they put that on the Dreamcast so people could code for games for Windows CE. Uh, and then the Windows CE OS would actually be on the disc with the game and all that stuff would just load up. And that, and you could do that. There's more overhead, but easier for like Western developers supposedly to code games, right? So uh, you could even see it right on the front, right? It said like the little Windows CE logo. Yeah, that was that was one of the interesting parts for me, like that, you know, Microsoft uh, was able to negotiate, well, we'd like our name to be on this thing. Yeah, and I want to set some parallels up because I I think it's really interesting that, at least to me, and we can maybe talk about this later if we want, but the Dreamcast really seems to be like Xbox 0.5. Yeah, I, I feel like they... Uh... Even though they weren't like directly involved in the development of the hardware, I do feel like it was kind of like dipping their toe in the pool. And then I read it. I don't know. I didn't do the research for the validity, but whoever I guess was in charge of Sega at the time when they got out of it and then Microsoft was doing their Xbox wanted the Xbox to have backwards compatibility for the Dreamcast built in. That would have been just weird. <laughs> And you notice yeah. how similar, at least to me, that the Dreamcast controller was to the to the original Xbox controller in a certain way. I mean, had triggers, the big, right? The big Duke ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if if you're not thinking about you know comparing size for size, um, yeah. I mean, you kind of had a similar overall shape, like that flat face uh, design, four buttons, triggers. Yeah, I guess it's a uh, pretty close thumbstick. Uh, a little, I mean, it wasn't dual thumbsticks, but it was an offset with a little D-pad and, you know. And the Dreamcast controller, which we'll talk more about, had two slots in the top. And the original Xbox controller had two I've, slots I, in the top. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is a little too conspiracy theory for me. <laughs> I'm going to go home and jam a VMU into my Xbox <laughs> controller immediately. I wouldn't recommend it, but you, there's a lot of similarities here, I think. A lot of uh, similarities. But let's talk about the Dreamcast itself, the hardware, what you got in the box. And speaking of box, uh, Bill, you got a box, right? Did you did you unpack your stuff? I got a pack. Yeah, I unpacked it. I didn't, uh, uh, I didn't take any pictures uh, yet. Uh, I was going to uh, uh, post those in the next couple of days. But yeah, Duke sent me... Um, in a large lot that he initially felt, well, actually remember the earlier question about, have you ever been ripped off? So Duke ripped this guy off, <laughs> got, no, a, whole, no, I got did a whole not. bunch of stuff no, for like a dollar. No. <laughs> this guy is actually a personal friend of mine. Oh, okay. Um, he really just needed it gone because he was literally moving to Japan next week. And he's like, oh, wow. I, he's like, I, I've sold everything I can on eBay this is everything I've got left. I can't do it. I can't take it with me. I can't leave it. He said, you know, I really just want you to take it. And if you want to give me something for it, feel free. And I did. That's so. awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, Duke, uh, um, you know, he, he sent the list to a couple of us and, uh, I said, yeah, Bill wants that, want that, want that, want that, want that. So, um, I didn't get all the stuff, but I got a lot of the stuff. Um, so Duke sent me, among other things, um, the launch, uh, window box for the Sega Dreamcast, that kind of like white box with like that weird, like orangey red, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> lit, you know, uh, Dreamcast, uh, uh, I like that box. Yeah, that, that box is cool. The later box wasn't bad, where like they kind of went with like the dark space theme with like yeah. the, you know, like the horizon. Come- and for a while, that was just like a sleeve that slid over the regular box because he wanted to make it like spacier. Um, but yeah, so Duke sent me, um, several Sega boxes. So it was a Dreamcast. There was also a Sega CD Model 2 box in there. Um, and, uh, uh, point blank, uh, box in Gun Con. Um, and then there's just a small, like a little, Super Nintendo uh, game tray for uh, uh, speaking earlier about like, you know, when I get too excited, I found like a game, a Super Nintendo game boxed and I bought it at the flea market, not realizing, oh, there's no cardboard in there. So that's just something that I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, going back to Dreamcast, then, yeah, like you said, they had, you know, the box and it's a pretty compact box. Uh, oh, yeah. And that's not a like, solid you know, little system. Yeah. It's, you know, like a lot of things you pick up, like, DVD player, like, you know, like PlayStation 2, whatever, they kind of feel like they have some hollowness to them, right? Like, yeah. the, the compo- like the internal components are on one side and the rest is just like to make it fill up that shape. The, the, the Dreamcast system itself, it always felt just like a little rock to me. It just felt yeah. like a, a solid little system. Um, and the same thing with the box, like it was just like a real nice little compact, like, uh, uh, you know, package there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, uh, inside the box, you have the Dreamcast itself, which, like you said, is like a rock solid, a little bit heavy. Yeah. The thing is a small, compact, heavy little machine. Yeah. Heavier and louder than you expect it to be. <laughs> so much louder. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of like this little Hoover vacuum pack. And like the disc, especially the disc drive, I think is the craziest part, right? right? Well, well, they half, I, half I, the ones that I sell at the store, they come back the next day and they're like, is it supposed to be like, like, I think it's going to die. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's exactly the way it's supposed to be. I think the developers of Skies of Arcadia were like, we'd like to, we don't want to, we don't want to surprise anybody with a random battle because we could get like, you know, sued. Why don't we have the system politely announce that there's about to be a battle in like three seconds? So Sega's like, all right, you got it. So walking around in Skies of Arcadia. (laughs) Here comes a battle. Battle. (laughs) That's right. Um, So the system itself, you've got that in the box. And it's... What struck me is that uh, it reminds me like the Sega box right before, right? Like there's no styrofoam. Yeah, it was like a, what do you call it? Like that little carton? Yeah. Kind of like, tra- like a tray. How disappointing. Yeah, and it was just kind of like, you know, sitting in that tray. And, uh, uh, you know, the it's, you know, you get your one controller, which mm-hmm. it's, this was kind of the time when a lot of parents were still, at least like I was working at Babbage's at the time and a lot of people would come in and, you know, a lot of parents used to complain. They don't actually complain about this as much anymore. Why does it only come with one controller? Because for a long time, game systems came with, you know, more than one. And, uh, you know, the answer you can have to give people is like, you know, because it costs less, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it costs, you know, so it's like, what would you like, you know, 
if it had two controllers and cost $229, you'd say, why didn't it just come with one controller for $199 <laughs> and then I could buy another controller if I needed it? That's so. right, because Jimmy doesn't have any friends. So yep. I don't need to. So that's my new console policy, too, is I get one con- console controllers are like $100. I buy Ugh. one controller. Bring your own. Wait, wait till <laughs> your kids get older. Nope. <laughs> well, you got to tell, compl- tell them, all right, son, you're five. I, you're a man now. Go get a job and buy your own controller. I'm going to say, son, you are the controller. <laughs> Jump in front of the Kinect. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, besides, you know, so you get the system, you get your one controller uh, in your, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like your little like cardboard carton. Um, you got your AV cables, mm-hmm. which is nice. You get your power cable. Um, and that's all I remember getting in the box. Did they come with, uh, what do you call it? They came with a dial-up modem in the box, right? Yes, it has a, had a modem built in. Um, yep. I think I want to say it was 56K modem. Absolutely. It, yep. Wow, which was blazing fast. Did <laughs> any of you guys, did either of you guys play games online on uh, Sega.net? Um, yeah. I did not. Yeah. Would you play, would you play, uh, uh, Duke? Oh, gosh. Uh. Did you play Sega Swirl? No. Fantasy Star. I didn't PSO? play Sega Swirl. Yeah, that's right. That was it. I did PSO because we'll talk more about it later, but, um, oh. I love that game so much. I bought the broadband adapter to play it once yep. that was announced. So, uh, yep. Um, well, again, we'll talk about it within the online portion of our show, but, uh, yeah, I was a big, uh, broadband adapter, Quake 3, mouse, keyboard. Ooh. Um, and I think inside the box, didn't it come with uh, the Planet Web browser yes. disk, which also had like the SegaNet you could sign yep. up for? Yep, sign up for SegaNet. Yep. And later you got your web browser 2.0, um, mm-hmm. which uh, it, it wasn't like systems are today where like, you know, the, the software was just on the system. It was It was a disk. Yep. That ran the system, so you had to put in the disk to use the web browser, um, and the web browser did work. But again, yeah. with it being fifty, with it being fifty six k, it wasn't the it, well with a combination of fifty six k and the keyboard not being available at launch, it wasn't you know the least cumbersome way to browse the internet uh, uh, in nineteen ninety nine. But it worked. Yeah, yeah, I remember doing a little bit of browsing just for the novelty. And then I went, oh, okay, that's that's a thing. <laughs> exactly. Hey, look, Alta Vista on the television. And then that was done. <laughs> I can't read anything, but okay. <laughs> but it's on there. Look, Ma. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the so the package in the box was nothing too particularly fancy. I mean, the controller was well built. We'll talk more about the hardware and stuff a little bit later. But, uh yeah, I mean, that's it. When you bought the box on launch day, um, you know, there was it was a little compact little unit. There was no frills, no, not that much, but you got, a, I think, a lot for your money. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, this system, I mean, I know, like, you know, people talk about inflation versus what it's like now versus then, but like a couple hundred bucks. Like, this yeah. thing was great. Yeah. Uh, were, you, were you guys uh, both there on launch day? Nope. No. So what was going on in your household when Dreamcast launched hit? Were you too busy on the N64 or what? Uh, yeah, I was always behind. I didn't know that it launched until December that year when my friends finally got one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like I, I didn't exist until I went over his house. He didn't even like in- announce it or anything. We just came over. He's like, yeah, I got this thing. He, <laughs> like he, he didn't seem all that excited about it. Really? <laughs> yeah. And were you blown away when you saw it? Uh not blown away, but it was just, it's always fun to have new things to play games on. So we, we played a ton of it, like, go oh, that weekend, but. 
Yeah. Awesome. D- didn't didn't have the impact on me that I think it had on many others. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um well Bill, I I think you were a pre-orderer, right? I this is like the biggest pre-pay launch of of my gaming career. Um I had pre-purchased this thing. Uh it was paid for. Um, I only recently had begun, uh, you know, really kind of like saving money. Like when I was, uh, you know, working at my job, cause like when you first get a job, it just goes to like, like, <laughs> ju- like junk food, Pizza. Uh, yeah. exactly. Like, <laughs> like just like, just, yeah, just awful, awful things. So this is like the first, I was like, I'm going to save some money up. And I'm going to do some good stuff with it. And then I bought a Dreamcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I had the system paid for, um, I think I wanted Air Force Delta, but I ended up like, you know, at the last minute not getting it. I got on on launch day. I got House of the Dead two, Ooh. Hydro Thunder, Mortal Kombat Gold, NFL two K, Ready to Rumble Boxing, Sonic Adventure, and when I got there, uh, like the like the dude's like, you didn't pre-order Soul Caliber, and I was like, yeah, I heard it was supposed to be good. I just didn't know if there's gonna be any available, and he's like, oh no, like we have them available. So I bought Soul Caliber. <laughs> I had three additional controllers uh, pre-ordered wow. and prepaid for. I had. One VMU and two Rumble packs. So that two hundred like turned almost into a thousand or what? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's but crazy. It, but it didn't feel like that much but for like a year before it came out, like maybe like six or eight months. But like for a long time before it came out, I would just like you know like go to the store. I would go to Babbage's and I would talk with those guys, and we would just you know kind of like you know talk about games and stuff. And I would just like keep adding money to my pre-order like stash. And right after the game, like right around the time the system came out, they gave me a job there. So I ended up, uh, like just, you know, making that connection with those guys. And that's how I ended up working at Babbage's. But, uh, that was, uh, a super, super exciting time for me. It was, I was still kind of, you know, as like, as the Sega fanboy from like the 16 bit era, you're kind of like, okay, it's kind of like every time a Sonic game comes out and Sonic fans are like, okay, this is going to be the one. It's going to redeem all the bad ones. So it's kind of like that with like the system. Like, all right, all of my suffering has been worth it for this, for this system. And I, I love the Dreamcast. I still love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also had pre ordered, uh, at, uh, I want to say it was Electronics Boutique. And, Ooh. uh, what? I don't know. It's the only thing. It was well, only work, thing worked, close by. What? Well, I worked at Babbage's, so you have to boo the other guys. Oh, there was no, there was no <laughs> Babbage's to compete with. So, yeah. They ended up, mer- they ended up merging. So. <laughs> and there was like software, et cetera, somewhere. I oh, think. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, they're all GameStop now. Yeah, pretty much. But I had a pre order for it because I, I want to say that a few days or maybe a week or so before it actually launched, they had one in the store. That you could play, and they had mm. the only game they had on was the bass fishing, the Sega bass fishing. Really? <laughs> yeah, mm. uh, I don't know why or how or or whatnot, but I remember clearly playing Sega bass fishing before the thing came out. Uh, didn't convince me to buy the bass fishing game, but I always thought that was pretty interesting um, to see that. Uh, I don't know if it was an import machine, or I have, I have no clue. But, uh, yeah, I prepaid for that one. Um, I didn't get any extra controls. I just had the one that it came with. And then I got Air Force Delta. Um, I got Soul Calibur, of course, and uh, uh, Sonic Adventure because of uh, – duh. I mean, you had to get the Sonic game because it was a Sega sure. machine. And, you know, I'd been a, a diehard Saturn guy for a long time. I was the one. 
Uh, so <laughs> I had stuck with that thing and played it to death, uh, right up until its death. And I was really glad. I was so excited. I was like, this is it. This is, man, this is going to knock him out of the park. This is going to be such a big win. And when I played it too, I was like, holy crap, this looks so awesome. There's no way. I'm like, this is, so, everybody else is done. So wait, you played the Saturn up into its death in 1994? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like I've said before, I bought the last Saturn release at retail. So if that tells you anything. Uh, I had pretty good. I, I bought the last Dreamcast release at retail. <laughs> we'll talk about oh. that. <laughs> what a mistake. Uh, so, yeah, that was a big deal. And there was a, I mean, they really did a good job with marketing this thing uh, and the kind yes. of the push. And uh, it was, I think it was Bernie Stoller was the guy that was in charge of Sega Correct. at the time. That's correct. And he really, I think, did a good job at kind of making this a big thing. Yep. He got a lot of coverage, and everybody knew the PlayStation 2 was coming out soon, but there was no, like, firm details during the early time. And then by the time it was firm, it was kind of too late for Sega to change what they were doing. Um and a lot of people hate Bernie for lots of reasons, um, but I don't think you can deny he, you know, had a big impact on the Dreamcast uh, on the business side of things. No, he did, a, I think, a fantastic job considering what he had to work with, um, you know, which is, uh, I'm sure, what we'll talk some about later. But uh, so the Dreamcast launched on nine nine ninety nine in the U.S. Uh, it had the hardware that we talked about, and it had a big list of games that it came with. Yes. Um, so let's go through real quick a few that we we've mentioned a few, but let's uh, let's go through the other ones. So we had Arrow Wings, um, Blue Stinger. You guys remember Blue Stinger? <laughs> I've Absolutely. That one. Wasn't that like the Resident Evil Killer or whatever, right? <laughs> Tried to be. Yeah, something like that. Uh, this one I don't remember. Cart Flag to Flags, that might have been a European title. No, that came no, over. No, we had that. That. That, was yeah. a, that was a Sega game. That was a Formula One racing game. Oh, no wonder I don't know that one. Uh, Expendable? I don't know that one either. Yeah, Expendable. It's a top-down uh, twin-stick shooter. Oh. So your so your left uh, stick is controlling your dude, and like your oh, actually sorry no I think your right is controlling your aim, and then your trigger is your shoot. It's kind of like almost like a top down contra Smash TV. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a better description. It's kinda like loaded, something like that. Yeah, it's it's just like tons and tons and tons of bullets shoot the things. Awesome. Uh, 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 you mentioned House of the Dead too. Hydro Thunder House of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Hydro Thunder. Can I tell you how much I love Hydro Thunder in the arcade? I, this might have been my most anticipated game. So you, know, did you play it a lot? I know that's or? a weird thing to say. No, oh, it I, was a big played, deal. Hydro I Thunder's lo- fun. I love Hydro Thunder. I loved it in the arcades. I, I played it to death on the console until I could, like... I've never got into an arcade-style, you know, like, racing game like this. Uh, you know, until Burnout, and then... Ugh. I, Hydro Thunder is amazing. <laughs> I, they, they were, I remember reading articles for Hydro Thunder 2 and being like, oh, it's going to be so great. And then it never happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did have an arcade one eventually, I think, that came out. But Oh, no. It was an yeah. Xbox Live game. Was right. that it? Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. They, yep. Um, and then Monaco Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Mortal Kombat Gold. Bill, I think you know the Mortal Kombat Gold story. On launch, yeah, I was, right? Yeah, I was, I was huge, huge on this game too, because I was, you know, I was a big Mortal Kombat dude. 
Um, now I bought this game at launch and I've heard from many people that like, oh, like, yeah, the launch one, like it, it doesn't work. Right. There was uh, some a batch or something of them that just literally wouldn't play, right? Right. So what they did was instead of like re-releasing the game and saying, you know, calling it like Mortal Kombat Gold, the version that works, <laughs> they, 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 they like, they printed like this like green, like, you know, like new low price sticker, like right on like the face of the game. So like that's kind of how stores can differentiate. Okay. Like this is the new batch. Like we've fixed it. So the, the word, you know, on the collector scene is, you know, if you, if yours doesn't have that new low price, it, there's a good chance that that disc doesn't work. Um, now I've had, uh, uh, you know, I've had good luck with, uh, you know, the copies that I've come across that don't have that. Um, but, and my launch copy worked just fine. So I don't know, uh, uh, you know, if it was every copy, but, uh, there was definitely some issues with that. So if you're trying to be on the safe side, try to find that new low price, uh, uh sticker. Disc rot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It comes back. The Spectre. comes back to haunt us. Oh, man. The next one, I played so much freaking NFL 2K. And I'm oh, not yeah. a sporty sport. A- exactly. I'm not a football guy at all. I played a ton of this game. This game was so much fun with my friends. Um, oh. They would come Crabby, over to my house. Do you house. remember the first oh. time you played NFL 2K? Did he go to sleep? Is, <laughs> is he alive? <laughs> You're assuming I played NFL 2K? Yeah. yeah. I have never played NFL 2K in my life. <laughs> I think the only reason is because they didn't make a CFL 2K. There are two Ooh. games on this list that I have played. I'm waiting to get to them. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you your shot. All right, then we'll move on. Uh, NFL Blitz 2000. It was a thing. Yep, not a fan. Pen Pen Triisalon. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I still see that a lot. Oh. <laughs> I've never played that. Is That's literally penguins racing on their bellies, right? Yeah, it's terrible. Ooh. Yeah, it looks like a like Winter Olympics game with like penguin themed events. It's terrible. It's really terrible. Uh, the next one though is not terrible. Power Stone. <laughs> Power Stone, right? <laughs> Woo. So Crabby, Power tell Stone us about is, Power Stone. Is very good. It was like I don't even know. Like a, you had a three D plane. It's kind of like Smash Bros with an isometric view. And you can pick up like crap from the environment, and the environments themselves usually have something going on too watch for that's gonna hurt you or your opponent that you can use to your advantage and little crazy weapons dropping down and it's just like a crazy party fighting game yeah and it was a totally new capcom fighting franchise just for dreamcast um and capcom did a good job of really supporting sega on this machine yes Yes. Uh, which is kind of surprising uh, because Cap- Capcom always starts strong with everybody and then they peter off. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe that's right. That's peter. right. <laughs> and then, oh man, I played this one. I'm sure probably lots of other people did too. Ready to Rumble Boxing. Do you guys play this one? Played a yeah. lot of it on the N64, not on the Dreamcast. Ugh. Maybe we'll do an N64 podcast eventually. Maybe. I'm sure we that's probably will. <laughs> no, I'd say, yeah, that'd be fun. Because I, I, you know what, I had actually totally forgotten that it came out for N64, but you're absolutely right. And was there um, a... Uh, this... Oh, go What's ahead. up? I was going to say, was there a PS1 version? I don't remember. Yes, there so. was. Ew. Yep. Yeah, so, um, and uh, uh, I remember Ready to Rumble Boxing and NFL 2K as the ones where I really noticed the 60 frames per second. And it's hard to, you know, talk about the impact that 60 frames per second had on 
the console generation at this time because, you know, the PlayStation, like, you know, I think there's like one or two games that like have like right real big in the front of the box, 60 frames per second. Like it's something <laughs> that you can't really do. So like seeing it, it was like, whoa, like it's, it's so different than everything you're used to. I remember ready to rumble when the fight starts, the camera like kind of pans around the whole uh, ring and just the smoothness of that motion. I remember being so impressed with that. Um, but yeah, I think I was, uh, uh, what's his name? Afro Eddie. Yeah. He was like the main guy on the cover, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, and David Arquette, didn't he voice a dude in this game? Uh, boy, you're getting, you're reaching. I don't know. <laughs> oh, right. No, no, no. Sorry. That might have been SSX. Okay. I have no idea. Uh, all right. And then we've talked a little about Sonic Adventure, but do you guys have anything else to throw in about Sonic Adventure? It's I don't great. care for it. It's great. It's great, and I don't care for it. No, those yeah. are two different people. <laughs> <laughs> so, Krabby, why do you Krabby. not care for Sonic Adventure? Because it's not Mario. It, it's it's no no no. Like son, it feels to me like the whole game is Marble Zone or no Spring Yard Zone in the first one, where you're you're like just the first couple levels. You know you got some decent speed. It's fun. It's fast. It's exciting. And then all of a sudden you just stop. And it's like this. I don't feel like Sonic anymore. I felt like the whole game was like that, where I just couldn't go like I wanted to. But there's a whale coming out at you. <laughs> yeah, Crash Bandicoot style. I've, I've never right been a fan us. of those games. I just can't get into them. Bill? Are you talking about Sonic or Crash? Uh, Sonic Adventure. Okay. I, I love Sonic. I do not like Sonic Adventure. I like Sonic Adventure a lot. Um, I hear exactly where you're coming from, though. Like, when you play a Sonic game, it's not about, like, I don't think Sonic games are about speed. I think they're about momentum. Yes, I think they're about agreed. getting up to where you want to be moving through the level and then keeping that going and only coming out of it when it's by choice. So if you decide to slow down and grab a power up, grab some rings, grab a thing, like go find a hidden level, great. But if you want to go through the whole level without slowing down or stopping, you should be able to. And Sonic Adventure, it is much more difficult to go through a level with little to no slowdown, uh, intentional slowdown. Um, so I, I definitely see where people come with uh, from with that. Um, I still think the games are, are really, really fun. That was one where they introduced, like, Biggs the Cat, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not my favorite part of the game either, because, like, you kind of just want to play a Sonic. And then yeah. you're like, oh, you're a, you're a large cat who's not fast. Oh, because <laughs> I thought I was playing Sonic just now, and now I'm Big the Cat. Uh, I know. I was like, well, and what is, like, uh, so he's just kind of... Uh, what's, what's her... Uh, can't re- I can't... Uh, Amy. Yes. Amy. Yeah, thank yes. you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I think Knuckles was in there. Uh, I don't know. I think it was Tails, but I don't remember Knuckles. Maybe it was. Knuckles maybe the second one? I can't remember. It's been a while. I don't know. See, with the old Sonic games, they gave you Tails, they gave you Knuckles. It didn't matter. They all felt the same. Like it, So the new characters are fine with me. I still could run around as fast as I wanted. And this one, yeah, like you said, the cat's just, you know, you're walking sluggishly everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It kind of reminds me of Kate Seth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Kind of. Um, but not a robot. Right? No, not a robot. Like, like an action, orga- an organic case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought Wait, we thought nerd. <laughs> I thought it was a cat. She. I thought that's how you're supposed to pronounce that. But no, this is America. <laughs> <laughs> well, for uh, one, for two, two thirds of us, it's America. Uh, all right. Um, and the biggest thing I think I remember about Sonic Adventure is I think you kind of mentioned it in our little break, Bill. But like the guitar riffs in that game. Oh. 
Oh, oh man, somebody went to metal school that yeah, day, right? Somebody, <laughs> like, could you imagine, like, like Bernie Stolar taking, you know, like Sega, and then he's like, "Yeah, the game's great, but we need some metal." Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I went to um, the one year I went to E3, which I forget what year it was. But it was like three or four years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that by now. But um, I went to E3, and uh, it was the Sonic Boom event. It was like 25 year like Sonic anniversary, so I went to this event. And, uh, it was all like, it was official Sega event. So like all like the Sega, like producers were there and like they, they were working on Sonic Generations. Uh, and the composer was there and he gets up on stage like with his guitar and he's just killing it. He's playing like all different, so like he's playing like traditional like Genesis stuff, but like, uh, you know, just kind of like wailing away. So like I, and then I read an interview after that. It's like, that's kind of how he writes all the stuff. And then, like, they have to convert it to, like, the 16-bit, like, you know, like, the chip for the Genesis. So he was really excited when he had uh, the Dreamcast to work with because he could just, like, wail away. So they just let him go crazy with it. Yeah, obviously, um, and he did. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. he went nuts. And it, that's one of the craziest, like, Japanese guys playing the guitar I've ever seen live in person. It was really, really cool. Yeah, they're like, you know, what kind of soundtrack? You know that Joe Cetriani guy? Yeah, let's have a soundtrack just like that yeah. for, for our game. Sonic, because that's like nothing screams yep. Sonic-like. Get that. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, to me, the probably defining game of launch is the next one, right? Soul Calibur? Yep. Yep. It's It's got to be. So It's got to, yeah. Soul Calibur is a game that looks so good that it still looks so good when you go back and play it. I mean, I was, I'm pretty amazed at how well that thing holds up. Have you guys played it at all recently? Yeah, uh, we did a Soul Calibur 2 tournament in the store recently, so I played a few of the different ones to just get into it again. And yeah, you're right, the first one still looks fantastic, and not just for a game that's that old, but for a launch game, it's really surprising. Yeah, um, Bill, and you said this is one of the ones you picked up on launch. Yeah, I, I hadn't really planned on it, um, but uh, you know, I heard a lot of good. Like, I wasn't really into the you know the Namco fighting games, but then as it got closer and closer to launch, and it started getting all this great press, I didn't think you could get it without a reservation. But then the day uh, you know I go to pick it up, they were like, "Hey, do you want one? We have extras." And I said, "Yeah, sure, throw it in." So um, uh, yeah, I I did pick this one up, and this was the biggest surprise for me. I mean, partially because I didn't, uh, you know, wasn't planning on getting it, but also I wasn't planning on liking it that much. And there's besides just being a fighting game, there's lots of cool single player modes uh, in this just to like kind of move through uh, like unlockables and stuff. If you like stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, had any of you guys played soul edge? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Me neither. I mean, it was on PlayStation, but I'd never played it before. I yep. was like not even on my radar. Same, same. Never like I don't know if I ever heard of it, but it was yeah, it was absolutely not a thing that I was aware of. Yeah, and then like so, all of a sudden, it's just like this game is the one to own, and it was. I mean, this thing yep. was amazing. My friends w- w- would come over, and we would just play this freaking thing forever. And I think the thing that stands out to me most though is that announcer voice, right? Which has kind of been <laughs> a thing now for a while. With, did you get? Uh, did you guys uh, keep him in English, or you switch him to Japanese? Oh, yeah, English. That guy was great. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, but like I kind of feel like, and we don't get me wrong, we did keep him on English most of the time. We did end up 
switching him off because it was like distracting during like tournaments. Oh um, man! But, Come but on. yeah, he's a that's a great voice. Oh. Welcome to the stage of history. You know, you just you always <laughs> you know you, the soul still burns. Now, do you remember if you could change the voice of the announcer independently of the voice of the fighters? I don't remember. Because the fighters in English are unplayable. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Oh man, it's well, it's the same thing like in like kind of like growing up on Street Fighter, where like someone wins a fight and it's like just grunting. Yeah. You know, just like stuff like that. Like when you win a fight and it's like, you will never defeat me. Like it just <laughs> it felt really like uh mystery science theater to me. Yeah, that was in the age of pretty bad, still pretty bad uh, voice acting, but um, (laughs) we haven't really got out of that age. (laughs) In some cases, yeah, unfortunately not. Uh, But uh, that was, yeah, it was pretty amazing stuff, that uh, Soul Calibur. And uh, a few other just to round these out, if you guys want to stop on these, let me know, but I'm going to guess not. TNN Motorsports Hardcore (laughs) Heat. Keep it moving. Any of you guys big (laughs) Nashville Network fans? Keep it moving. Tokyo Extreme Racer. Nope. Yeah, it was a car game. Uh, Trick Style. Uh, I remember this one. I've never played it. Yeah, no, I have no idea. Krabby, nothing. Nothing. Nothing to add. (laughs) But let's look at the launch line. I mean, well, that's like probably what, like 20 games almost, or, you know, 15, 20 games there. Um, Yeah, good. Good and and that's not window. That's like the day. Yeah, that's huge. (laughs) I mean, I can't think of another console launch. Nope. Ever. Well, maybe the NES probably had about that. PlayStation 3 had like four demo discs and two games out on launch day. Yeah, I think the PlayStation 4 still has like 15 games. But didn't the Wii U have like 18 (laughs) or 19 launch day? Um, Are you you counting virtual console? No, no. It had had a lot. A lot of them are like ports of games that had come out on other systems, but there was a lot there. there Like Mass Effect 3 and all that stuff. Yeah, Oh, that's right. There was Arkham Arkham City. Splinter Cell, Call of Duty. Like, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that already came out. It was a big window. Uh, Or not a big window, a big launch. Just as a quick aside, I really want a Wii U. I watched the Bayonetta 2 Nintendo Direct. Oh, Oh, yeah. I really (laughs) want a Wii U. Nope. Hey, anyway, back to the Dreamcast. 32 launch games the Wii U. Oh, well, that's really impressive then. Uh, I still remember my N64 when I pre-ordered it and picked it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your two games to yeah, choose from? Yeah, two. Do you want Pilot Wings or do you want Mario? Hey, at least they were, like, just awesome. They there were. was no filler there. They were both so oh, good. Oh, Mario 64 is so fantastic. Um, but, uh, and then there was uh, Snow, a big Snow thing, Galaxy. right? Because the Dreamcast had a little bit of a head start on the PlayStation 2, right? <laughs> yeah. And there were some launch difficulties with the PlayStation 2 at the time. Are where you, are, you, are you getting to the ad? I am getting to the <laughs> ad. And I know Bill, this is – I put this in here because I know you. Uh, so it's, do you want to – You tell the story. You tell the story. <laughs> it's funny. Okay, so the PlayStation 2, if you you know didn't live through that launch um, – there were like 40 PlayStation uh, 2s available uh, in the country. <laughs> yeah, just about. <laughs> from like September to March of the next year. Uh, like we're talking like you've never seen console shortages like this. Like like yeah. the people who've been gaming the last like 10, 15 years, you've been through like the Wii launch, uh, the Wii U, the 360. Uh, I guess, well, 360 was maybe a little bit uh, further back. PS3 was pretty um, bad. Yeah, PS3 was even, uh, uh, but like we're talking 
literally like i think our store got like i don't know like 13 or 14 of them and like that was it for the year um you could not find playstations anywhere yeah i had um, to camp lot- out to get a playstation yeah. too. And a lot of people said, you know, like that they were trying to create artificial demand. Sony insisted, like, no, like we're having like severe, like hardware, uh, like quality issues, like getting this many parts in working quality from our, you know, parts distributors. Um, so because the Dreamcast was also out and had no shortage of stock because they, you know, were using parts that weren't like, you know, designed by like lasers <laughs> and like, uh, uh, like all these like complex bits. That just they, chiseled right out of rock. Yep. <laughs> they put out this full page ad in a whole bunch of like gaming magazines with this like little redheaded freckly face kid. Um, and like it just said like, uh, uh, like, like our, our, our condolences to Sony, um, on their, uh, on their like launch window hardware difficulty. And he's just sticking his tongue like straight <laughs> out. Like no one does that. <laughs> Have you ever seen any other company like, oh, like, did you guys hear Coke uh, over the summer? You know how they put all the, all the names on the Coke cans? Yeah. Yeah. So, apparently, they recalled the Michaels or the Mikes because an employee at the factory dumped, like, uh, uh, like a bag of, like, soil in the batch that, like, made the Michael cans because she was pissed off at her boss, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's why you can't find any michaels anywhere they recalled them and like uh uh they started getting complaints and they started realizing oh it's all the michaels <laughs> is where this stuff went could you imagine pepsi putting out an ad oh our our sincere uh uh sympathy for coke in their time of need and have like a bunch of women like gardening and like shoveling soil <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I I mean, I I got to give it to Sony a little bit with the big thing they did with the this is how you share the games. The sharing video, <laughs> yeah. On PS4, that was, that was pretty it was pretty close to that. Uh minus the kid with his tongue stuck out, but it was pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't care for that. <laughs> you didn't you didn't think that was funny? No, didn't care for it. Oh, I laughed so hard at that. I don't have a PS4. I have an Xbox one. I laughed at that joke. It was funny. It was a funny joke. Um but yeah, so I mean, it was the thing. It was Dreamcasts were not hard to find. I mean, at launch, you could find the software pretty well. The, the consoles were not terribly difficult. And then definitely by the time the PlayStation 2 came along, there was there was quite a few of them around for the holiday season. And PlayStation 2s were nowhere to be found. Um, I honestly believe it probably had more to do with the Japanese market than it had to do with anything else. I imagine they probably kept more stock for the Japanese market than they, they cared to release over here. But that's pure speculation. So uh, Dreamcast launch went well, right? It went really yep. well. They sold a lot of units. Uh, so things looked looked good. Uh, things looked really good. Um, so let's talk about some of the some of the hardware. So they, you know, the system sold well. It was out in the market. It was doing pretty well. And there was a, a lot of lot to talk about with the hardware, which is surprising, especially for a system with as short a lifespan as this thing had. Um, so the, the games themselves were on a proprietary format called a GD-ROM, right? GD-ROM. Which stood for Gigabit Disk, right? Oh. <laughs> yep, it was co-developed by Yamaha, if I believe, if I remember correctly. That's exactly how they pronounce it, Yamaha. Yamaha. And, uh, uh, I, if I remember, their concern was that compact disks, uh, 
besides having, you know, like only 700 meg capacity and they wanted closer to like 1.2 or 1.3 gigabytes, um, they thought that piracy was going to be a problem. Oh, because um, it was so rampant they, on the PlayStation right. 1 and Saturn. Right. Rampant. Especially if you had like the game, the, remember the Game Shark that you could plug in the back of the original PlayStation 1 that you could like bypass the copy protection just by booting to it? Oh, and mod chips um, were everywhere. Right. And you could, you know, so there was all sorts of stuff. So I thought it was really smart that they went to this GD-ROM format and then kept compatibility with CD-ROMs. Yeah. So you could just still do all the things they said were the reason that the only thing you couldn't do is put a game on a CD that was over, obviously over 700 megabytes. But like, I thought it was really weird. They were like, no, CDs, we don't want to do anything with CDs because of piracy. And then the format they come up with, oh, it reads CDs too. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Well, because playing music CDs was still a big thing at the time, right? Right. And there was no, there was no, you know, like authentication on CDs. Yeah, that was really weird. I think it's the same thing as like the web browser. You loaded it up, you did it once, and then same with Sega CD. You loaded it up, you played it once, and then you just turned it off and played games. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I didn't have another CD player for a long time. My Sega CD was my music player for a while. Uh, but yeah, I listen to music in their house. I'm don't old. you like put on your headphones and go for a run? <laughs> well, you had a headphone jack on the Sega, man. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, but that's why you got the CDX. Yeah, you that in you there. got it on the go. And I had my Walkman for the go. What are you talking about? That's <laughs> my cassette Walkman. I have my Nomad for the go. <laughs> but yeah, so they came up with the GD-ROM, and um, so it was the unique, you know, proprietary format that they came up with. Uh, interesting. Uh, we've already talked about the modem, certainly 56k modem right out of the box. So mm. I think this was extremely ahead of the game when it comes to other consoles, right? Uh, uh, for its time, yes. And even including the uh, PlayStation. Yeah, we didn't see this in the box again until Xbox. Yeah. With that uh, uh, NIC uh, wired network interface included uh, just you know right on the system. Yeah. Um, so extremely forward-thinking there they they saw the future they saw what was going on in the pc market because at the time you know people were playing you know online games uh doom you were calling into your buddy's house to play doom or whatever so it was a big deal and uh they also had some experience of course because there was uh the net lake for saturn right so they they they'd done this for a little bit and then i guess you know i guess you could even go back farther to expand but uh but that wasn't them And then, of course, we've talked a little about the controller, but the interesting thing with the system and the controller, where there was four controller ports, and I think as we mentioned before, there were two slots in the top of the controller, right? Yep. And so these controller slots um, could hold different items, right? Yep. The uh, uh, the two most common um, are the uh, visual memory unit, um, commonly referred to as the VMU, um, and the jump pack, which was kind of like the rumble pack. Now, the jump pack, <laughs> I do remember being like a little bit hard to find right at launch, but I, I was able to procure one. Don't, don't worry. Um, <laughs> now, the cool thing about having two slots is if you only had one controller, because the system only came with one, um, and, you know, your friend came over, you wanted to copy, you know, files or save files from one thing to the other, you were able to do that with just one controller. So that was kind of cool. But normally, I think the, the kind of the de facto setup is you have a VMU, VMU in the front, and then the uh, Rumble Pack in the back for Rumble. And the VMU was interesting because uh, uh, it was kind of like its own little, like uh, you know, had its own little tiny 
uh, analog D-pad and a couple buttons on it. The idea was games could, you know, kind of download mini games to these things that you could, you know, maybe like advance your, you know, creature in a game that supported, uh, you know, like creature building. And then like, you know, after you played it for a bit, re-import it to the game. You know, so that, that was kind of a cool idea. I don't remember any game that really made fantastic use of that feature. Um, but there were a lot of games that used, uh, you know, that displayed something on the VMU while you were playing that were uh, that were kind of helpful. Um, but yeah, the VMU, I think, was pretty revolutionary at the time because, I mean, you know, PlayStation had memory cards. Um, so you could take that to your friend's house or whatever. Boring. Um, yeah, but this was cool because... <laughs> It was in your controller. So even if you like you were going to your friend's house or something, you could take your whole controller if you needed yep. to, right? If you didn't have an extra yep. one, and your saves and everything were already in there. And didn't some of the games actually have like games you could play on the VMU? Like didn't Sonic have like kind of a yeah. nano pet kind of feature? Yeah, that's yeah, Sonic Adventure. Were... Right. Weren't they called uh Chows. I'm not gonna remember it. Chows. 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 Yeah, because uh-huh. it was kind of like chaos, but it was like, no, they're chows. Yeah. Um, so you so like you had your chow and you could hatch him and you could like you know feed him food and I have no idea why you wanted your chow to do better because it didn't affect the game. Uh, but remember, but, like Tamagotchis were a thing, right? So oh yeah, there's such a thing. Yeah, this was kind of like oh, and you get a Tamagotchi game. Look at yeah, this. I guess they were a thing. I was more excited that like well because in NFL 2K you could pick your plays on that without anybody knowing. Yeah, on the screen. Um, and the other one that got me was uh, uh, Resident Evil. Oh, Code Veronica yeah. Ha- had your um, life, uh, like your like heart rate monitor, like on there. So like if you know you didn't have to like go into the pause screen to check uh, uh, your life, you could just see it like right on the uh, controller. I thought that was cool. Never had to check your health in Code Veronica. Resident Evil, you limped. <laughs> well, <we're, laughs> that was your health meter. We're not all as good as uh, some people who just, oh, you don't have to check your health. Just beat the game. Just finish <laughs> no, it. Like, you can tell by there's three different like walking speeds. There's like regular walk, there's like slight limp, and there's severe limp. And that's like green, yellow, red health. <laughs> well, then how come uh, Isaac has a glowing back monitor? <laughs> Isaac, are we talking Dead Space? He now? Still, hasn't, yeah. he still hasn't played it. It's because he's a wuss. He's not. <laughs> he's not Claire. He's not Jill. That's right. He can't wear a tube top around and <laughs> and a machine gun. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so the VMU had its own, you know, memory and could play games and uh, had, of course, then batteries of its own. Do you guys remember the uh, Sega eventually came out with the 4X VMU? Ah, uh, no. no. So, they, I remember it was like third-party ones, but... Oh, no, yeah. This was official Sega 4X VMU Whoa. for people who had so many game <laughs> save files Whoa. that you needed. So, so there was... It, it was weird. It was still called a VMU, but there was no V on it. They took the screen out. Oh, I see. And instead, there were just four red LEDs that you would press a button and it would switch to, you know... Are you sure that was like official? VMU. I... Yeah, um, I just looked it up. He's wow, totally right. Really? I'm like a hundred. I'm like a hundred percent sure that it was official because I bought it. Wow, I remember like a bunch of knockoffs, like yes. doing that. But uh, yeah, it's and believe it or not, like they got the idea from Sega. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's a it was a weird thing, and like, uh, wow, it's, it's official. It's got like a little button on the top. I've never four, seen one. Yeah, it, oh, they're there. Oh, I have to watch out for that one. Four XVMU. Awesome. And then those that don't know, when we talk about jump pack, jump is a rumble pack. 
they just called it the jump right. pack for some yeah. reason because it made your controller jump. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you, you didn't jump. Uh, your controller well, jumped. But but if you were playing because it can play audio CDs, if you were playing crisscrosses totally crossed <laughs> out on uh, your Dreamcast at the time, then crisscross would make your jump pack jump. As long as you had your clothes backwards and you were making <laughs> your own video, yes, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, they have a long history with Sega. That's right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Saturn. They also came out. I'm sorry, not Saturn. Um, Dreamcast. They also came out with an arcade stick that had the slots, a slot for yep. VMU, right? Yep. Um, so it was a pretty nice. Did you buy? Did Did you buy that, Chris? Uh, I didn't, but I have one now in that big lot that you say I ripped a guy off for. So. Oh, good. Good for you. <laughs> so now don't worry. I've ripped him off and I have a, I have a Dreamcast arcade stick. They don't get this show in Japan, do they? Because <laughs> No, no. He'll never find you. <laughs> but no, yeah. I uh, Now that's that's the one with the, the green buttons, right? Yeah, it's like uh, it's all like kind of green. Um, did Sega make it? Because it looks a lot like Hori sticks nowadays. Did, did Hori have anything to do with that one? I don't know if they had anything to do with it. It's a Sega product. But it does, yeah, it does look a lot like a Hori stick. You're right. Um, it's pretty well made, so that's pretty cool. And there was a lot of good fighting games on Dreamcast, so and I'm sure we'll yes, talk about some favorites in a minute, definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, and then to, this is definitely the one to me that stood and made the system shine. And that's... Literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the VGA box, right? Yep. First, now, I never had an I never had an official one. Yeah, I don't never had an official. There was an official one, but uh, yeah, I've never seen. I've never. I've heard that. I've never seen one. But yeah, I had a third party, and man, oh man, playing Dreamcast games on VGA. Oh wow, was an experience. No, I. They actually made me a little sad. I, I got one a little while ago, and was so pumped for it, and didn't realize that it only works on specific games. Yes, and so I we like we did the, we do these things at the store where people just come and hang out and we have games set up and I brought mm-hmm. a big stack of Dreamcast games, so pumped, put the VGA box in, and like one of the games I brought was supported by it. Let me help you See out. It? Get uh, you can download it. Uh, you can get boot discs that will allow you to run almost any game in VGA mode. Too much work. Uh, well, you burn a <laughs> CD. <laughs> There's you put a disc. That's it. Ha- yeah. I'll Too ma- much work. I'll mail you the disc. <laughs> you pop it no, in. All you, you have to do is discs. put it in. Uh, <sighs> yeah, almost all no, the I games. Don't, I don't can, remember. But... I don't remember the compatibility. I remember that there were certain games that didn't work with it. I don't remember the compatibility being that bad, though. I remember like almost every game I put into it working. Uh, it was always a thing on the back. It would tell you if it worked with VGA. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. in reality, I think most games will. It's just they didn't have the code mm-hmm. uh, at boot to do that. But if you use the little disc trick, you can get almost all of them to go in VGA mode. Um, nice. Yeah. And this is, oh, my gosh, beautiful. To this day, I mean, that's how I have my uh, Dreamcast hooked up to my flat screen, right? It's just VGA. You can still do that. Yep. Yeah, they've got the connection. And it's still gorgeous to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember, you know, back, back when you had like the giant CRT VGA, you know. Oh, yeah, monitors. that was great. And yeah, <laughs> you'd be playing Soul Calibur on there. Like, oh, my God, this 14-inch VGA monitor. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Side stuff throw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but the VGA boxes also had S-Video built in as well. So you could uh, you could do both pronounced video <laughs> okay <yeah. laughs> like snes uh, oh gosh that's not even started 
Um, they also, as we alluded to before, they uh, released a broadband adapter, and I, I want to say this was uh, mail order only uh, uh, add-on. You know what? I honestly don't remember. I I, I want to say know I was. had one. That would make sense because they are worth a pretty penny these days. They are expensive. Yeah. I definitely had one, but you know, now that you mention it, I don't remember ever seeing one in the store ever. So I, I probably did uh, order it. Yeah, I um, I ordered mine from Sega and got it in, and I don't even think when I got it, it had like a box. I think it was just like here's a thing in a little piece of cardboard <laughs> yeah. that we shipped you with That's some instructions. Awesome. Uh, I don't think there was like an actual like retail box that I had at least. I don't know if it ever did at some point in time, but um, because they had just gotten cable internet, like at the apartments that I was at at the time. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to get this. And, uh, and there's not a lot of games that natively support it though. Right. Just, a a handful. Yeah, really just a handful. Like yeah, Quake I mean, three arena, yeah, alien front that's... online. Oh yeah. It came out very late. That's uh, one of the other microphone games, alien front online. Um, there was not online multiplayer in, I think, just like the one of the like, one or two of the very last fighting games that came out for it, but not like the Marvels or the Capcoms, SNKs or any of those. And the big deal, I remember, I got it again because of Fantasy Star Online, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a minute. But um, you, it didn't support it at all. You actually had to go about this weird way of downloading some save file from a Japanese thing into your VMU through the web browser. And that's how you could make it work. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, but it, it worked. It really sounds a lot like the, the, what do you call it? Like the, the mod scene on PC. I guess that's, you well, can, so you'd have like, to download well, like well, a configuration games, file. Yeah. Like, well, the game is not supposed to support that, but yeah, just hack it if in there. you do this. Yeah. I guess maybe because uh, maybe the Japanese release or something, the code was in the, in the game. It's just, you had no way of basically setting up your, you know, like your, your DNS and all that stuff. So, right. um, once you could hack that basic information in about your internet connection, then away you went. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Um, Krabby, any broadband adapter you ever mess with that? No. Um, like I said, I only had one buddy at the time who had it and we, I didn't even know they had a web browser until like way after the Dreamcast was done. It was just something we never found in. He always had a computer in his room right next to the thing. So it wasn't something we were interested in. Oh, I see. Um, man, if you guys still had broadband adapters, we could still do some fancy star online. That would be fantastic. I got a dial-up one. Oh, come on, man. Long distance charges <laughs> to Canada would eat me alive. Um, you guys know Destiny's out, right? <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Um, and then they had the keyboard, right? They sure did, and now I've got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the broadband adapter, sorry, a uh, keyboard, um, obviously, you know, like for games like Quake and Unreal, um, you know, kind of your WSAD. Uh, first person shooter games. Um, that was one of the big, uh, uh, the big deals for it. Um, but, uh, Fantasy Star Online, uh, Chris. What, did, just wait. What is WSAD? It's WASD. Uh, w, don't you know? Those are the keys on the keyboard. That, uh, okay. That you rest your hands on <laughs> to walk forward, backward, and strafe left and strafe right. Um, 
for those who aren't as familiar with PC uh, first-person shooting practices. I, I thought it was an acronym for something oh. until you started saying White Anglo-Saxon right. <laughs> douchebag. Depression. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so uh, WASP. So, um, yeah, so for your WSAD or ASD, however Krabby wants to say it, um, <laughs> tab for score, space for jump, control for crawl. Um, so besides those, I mean, because uh, Fantasy Star Online... There wasn't voice chat at the time, nope. but you could walk up to another player and type something out and you know, you'd know be able to communicate with people that way. Yes. Um, so that was uh, uh, another big uh, big deal for, for the time. That's why I bought it. And then um, they also had to go along with that a mouse, right? It's basically a of like a computer. Yep. And honestly, like, so that experience of like walking up to a person and then like really like, you know cumbersomely like typing something to them and then waiting for a response um like not to like poo poo on sony at all but like that's what playstation home still feels like to me. <laughs> that's still a thing <laughs> i've heard that they're killing it in like certain territories and i said the same thing i was like that's still <laughs> the place where people go <laughs> i think i turned that on once and went oh this is terrible who, you want you want to know who all the serial killers are in the world? Go to PlayStation <laughs> Home right now. <laughs> They're all planning awful things. They're all stalking the few children that, that show up on the service yeah. on a, you know, um, unaware. With their, with their PS2 keyboard. <laughs> but uh, but uh, what about, uh, uh, did you get uh, Typing of the Dead? Eventually. But uh, yeah, that was a great thing. I think we've talked about that one before. But man, oh man, yeah. I mean, it's because it's available on PC now, and, and you know, it's it makes perfect sense. But uh, I remember having the keyboard and, and thinking, oh, I can't wait till Typing of the Dead comes out. Typing of the Dead, Typing of the Dead, and uh, it's a really quirky, just silly little game that uh, I believe I ended up importing it. Did the US get a get a version of Typing of, of the typing? Dead? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I I couldn't wait. I got the uh, I got the Japanese ooh, version. Ooh. <laughs> Were you typing Japanese words? <laughs> no, it was uh, Konnichiwa. Could, it, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, English was an option, oh. so they must have known I was going to do it. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Uh, they also had the fishing controller. This is the only thing for the like official thing for the Dreamcast that I never owned. Um, my local store has one box and I keep walking by it. I, yeah. I think one well, of these days I'll probably just pick it up. Uh, it's, I mean, zero, it, it's, it's a quirky novelty piece. I just have zero interest in the game or in looking at it ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a fishing rod. <laughs> it was, it was wheel. we before we. Yeah. Yep. You have the wheel, well, not the, the wheel, the real Yes. <laughs> and like you cast. Yeah. And then that's then that's the game. Yeah, it was the Wii Remote before the Wii Remote. But is it but only without the like the motion tracking. It's just like a motion sensor inside. Yeah, really basic, I think very basic motion sensor. Oh man. I just do you know anyone in the world who has ever said, Man, I really love that Sega Dreamcast fishing controller and Sega Bass fishing? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But I don't know anybody that fishes either. So there you go. This this next one was a blast and a super underrated thing. What is it? The Samba de Amigo Maracas. <laughs> Such a great game. You guys ever play Samba? Of course. Yeah. Oh, yep. man. 
Samba. I remember like a friend of mine telling me about it and I was like, I don't know. It sounds pretty stupid. Cause like at the time <laughs> I was too cool for school. Yeah. You know, when like you're that age and you're like, no, I'm too cool for everything. So he's telling me about it and I'm like, dude, I'm not shaking maracas like left and right and forward and back. And, di-. and he's like, dude, it's really awesome. He's like, every night I go home, I close all of the blinds <laughs> in my house <laughs> and I play Samba de Amigo for like an hour or two. And, uh, I eventually tried it and he was totally right. Yeah. Uh, it was just dance before just dance, right? <laughs> yeah. They're everything before everything. That's right. Sega was a real innovator at the time. Mm-hmm. Krabby, you sand Samba de Amigo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was such a wacky thing. Like, oh, well, let's just make maracas as yeah. controllers. <laughs> the maraca controller. Yeah, I mean, I guess there oh, was Donkey Konga later, but uh, but yeah, I was just was like Donkey a crazy Konga game. before Donkey Konga. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but there was like there wasn't. Uh, I was I uh, was there ever a Samba Samba de Amigo two? I think they just remade it on the Wii. I don't think they actually done a sequel to yeah, it. I don't know if they ever did, but uh, it's strange to make a controller just for that, but they did. So it was pretty cool. And then lastly, talk about hardware. Let's talk about the one that we did not get in the U.S. Came out in other territories. We did not get the light gun. That's right. Not Sega's. No. I got the, uh, I got the, I got the interact one with like the dual orange triggers. Yeah. That's the only one that, uh, I mean, there were a few, but that's the only one. Uh, I waited a long time for the Sega guns, and then when it was clear it wasn't going to happen, I was like, all right, I guess I'm getting these Interact deals. Yeah, which is weird, because uh, at launch, they had House of the Dead 2. Yeah. And <laughs> no gun. Yeah. It was just like playing uh, uh, Ground Zero Texas on Sega CD. <laughs> uh, but uh, if memory serves, the reason we didn't get that in the U.S. is because this uh, launched right after Columbine. Oh, that's that's uh, very well could be true. Was that ninety nine? Yeah, it was around there. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it was somewhere right around there. And so guns were not something we wanted kids playing with at the time because certainly video games were responsible for Columbine, right? We all remember mm-hmm. that. Yep. Doom yep. And, and whatnot that was getting a lot of blame for that. So um, Sega, I guess, wisely for their, you know, they didn't want to face any heat from anybody. So they right. opted not to bring out uh, a light gun here. Uh, but other territories, they did. They did get it. So we missed out. And uh, from what I understand, you could import it and it worked fine. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we had the third parties. Um, all right. So uh, moving up next, we want to spend a little time talking about some standout titles. So these can be either our personal favorites or maybe some of the more collectible titles for the system. So let's go through some of these. So, Krabby, I know you've added some of these in here that you're interested in, right? I did indeed. So start us out. I actually made my own list that you guys aren't looking at. Ooh, <laughs> especially. So it can be a surprise. I like it. Nice. Uh, so probably my favorite Dreamcast game of all time is Bangayo, and it is both collectible and awesome. So tell tell the folks about Bangayo. Um, it you play like these little tiny mech, and you can switch between uh, like there's a brother and sister in the game, and so the the boy he can shoot missiles out of him, and they kind of heat seek. Not very well, but he shoots so many missiles out that they just kind of generally go towards something and he'll probably hit them. And the sister shoots laser beams out, which go in a straight pattern, but as soon as they hit a wall, they ricochet. Awesome. 
So he's usually more helpful in wide open areas and she's helpful in smaller tunnels and stuff because it'll bounce through the, the tunnels and hit things. And they are just the most ridiculous over-the-top action. Like there's so much slowdown in this game because there's so many ridiculous things on screen at once all the time. It, it's so <laughs> addictive and fun. And you'll know right away if you like it or not. Like the first level is it, it just there's this quick short arcade style stages and there's a whole bunch of them. And they actually link together a story that also makes no sense and is poorly translated, but funnily so. <laughs> some English in there? Oh, tons of it. <laughs> and, and then so that gives you incentive to go back and try and top your score as well if you're, if you're into high scores. Um, but yeah, it's, I found it so easy to pick up and addictive and just nonstop action. And even if you die because the levels are so short, some of them are pretty hard, but they're so short that it doesn't feel too bad to go back and start it over and try and do better the next time. So did you pick this one up back in the day or has this been more recent acquisition for you? No, this one I actually got from Isrit several years ago when he was selling things like it's probably six, seven years ago, six years ago. Okay. And he was selling off all his like disc based stuff. Smart uh, man. Other than other than Mortal Kombat items. Disc rot. <laughs> yeah. And I, I picked up a big lot of Dreamcast stuff from him and I, I'd only had maybe half a dozen games until that point. And this was the highlight of that purchase, like just still my favorite Dreamcast game. Fantastic. Now there was uh another Bangayo game came out later for, for- the DS, I think. DS, yeah. I knew there was another one that came out at some point in time, but uh, it's cool when the series like that gets a little more love eventually, right? Because yeah. that's just uh, not very common, not very easy to find, right? Right. Yeah, that one, like I said, it's both collectible and fun. It's one of the, not that there's any super expensive Dreamcast games, but it's one of the higher ones. Certainly, certainly. Um, Bill, what you got for me? In no particular order, um, the... Uh, Choo Choo Rocket. <laughs> Choo Choo Rocket. <laughs> yeah. I really, really like Choo Choo Rocket. Um, I read a great review for it and wasn't on my radar. So I said, okay, like whatever, I'll give it a try. And I remember when I first played it, like I just thought like it was a little bit too fast paced and frantic and I couldn't get a handle on it uh, until I kind of realized that's, that's the point. Like that's kind of how they want you to play it. Like you're never a hundred percent in control. Um, so in a nutshell, Choo Choo's, C-H-U-C-H-U, um, are small, like, little mice creatures. Yeah, such a simple are, game. Right. So, like, mice are released into, like, a, a, like, but, like, not just a few, like, a whole ton, like, like you know, kind of 30, 30, 40 a second, like, they're running, um, are all released into your little kind of, like, uh, uh, you know, quadrant of the screen. It's a four-player game, up to four players. And basically what you can do is you can move your cursor around um, almost like a chessboard looking area and the face buttons, um, you know, so like the A, B, X, Y buttons. So like the if you press the top button, um, then you place an arrow that you know goes up, the left goes left, the right goes right, the down goes down. You're trying to read if, if the choo choos like hit one of these things that you put down, they change direction. So basically you're trying to collect all these choo choos. So that you can launch your rocket, like be the first to launch your rocket up in outer space. And it's just a really silly Japanese, like real quick, you know, like arcade style, like four player competition game. Um, and it's one of the only things that I ever got, like my brother and my sister all to like get in a room and say, <laughs> you guys want to play choo choo? 
and then yep, we're playing choo choo, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's just it's really really kind of like a frantic uh, uh, you know uh, oddball little game that uh, I think it's really pretty common. You can probably find it for a few bucks. Um, but so if you have a Dreamcast and you haven't played it, and you're looking for like a quirky little kind of multiplayer deal, it's it's worth a look. And by the the single player that I've played seems more puzzle based, not not quite as fun and frantic. Right, it's it's kind of like okay, like do this in this many moves or like kind of thing. Watch out, almost right. like a Tetris, Cats, right? Right, almost like a Tetris attack puzzle mode. Like you know, like solve this puzzle in eight moves or whatever. Um, yeah, I didn't play a ton of the single player, but I do remember it kind of being like that. So a lot of love for Choo Choo Crabbing. I like Choo Choo. Yeah, I really do. I I've never had the chance to experience it multiplayer, and I have to say the single player did not make a big impact on me. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I, me neither. <laughs> I mean, I didn't remember it. <laughs> so. It's time to plug in some controllers at the store and get some people to play some multiplayer choo-choo, right? Oh, yeah. Done. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, the first one I wanted to touch on is probably the one that I spent the most time with, probably period, uh, in my Dreamcast, and that was Capcom versus SNK Millennium Fight 2000. Uh, I just remember that announcer's voice so much. Uh, This game was, uh, you know, this whole versus thing that Capcom had been doing for a while, and and they were doing this thing where there was going to be Capcom versus SNK and then SNK versus Capcom, where each side would kind of do the other side's characters in their art style uh, or whatever and, and then make a game around it similar to their style. And so Capcom versus SNK was... Um, like Capcom styles with SNK characters brought in, but uh, not quite as simple. I mean, there was a pretty complex game. And the thing I loved about this one was there were so many secrets and unlockables in this thing because you would earn like these points that you could spend in a store to get like special characters and like extra costumes and items. And I mean, it really kept you coming back and playing. I don't know why on earth this never has been integrated into other games because, well, now you just make you pay for DLC. But, I mean, this kept me playing this game like crazy. Uh, and I just really love Capcom versus SNK. Uh, did you guys play this one? Yeah. It didn't make as big an impact on me as it did with you. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> no, I, I played it. Like, it was fun. It was good. Solid. Um, I don't know what it was about it. We just moved on to other fighters pretty quickly. Bill, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge fighter guy. There are f- like four or five fighters on this system that I spent a ton of time with. This is just not one of them. Really? Yeah. Well, I played a lot of Capcom SNK2 on PS2. Um, no particular reason why, you know, that versus Dreamcast. Just that's what we had it on. That's what we kept playing it on. Um, but uh, yeah, this one on the Dreamcast, I didn't. Uh, uh, I didn't get into. Yeah, and I played two. Uh, I think on original Xbox, but I was disappointed. Two was not as good as the original. It didn't have all these unlockable things like that store kind of idea. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like, ah, here's a fighting game, you know, go at it. Um, but I really loved uh, Capcom vs. SNK uh, on Dreamcast. It was a fantastic game, and I don't think it's terribly expensive. So you know, check it out. It's really it's a good one. Craig, what else you got? Uh, let's move into some shooters then. Oh yeah. Ooh, uh, one of my favorites is Gigawing. All right, Gigawing. That's definitely yeah. a Japanese shooter, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, have you played it at all? Uh, just a little bit, but I, I wouldn't say I've spent a lot of time with it. Is Giggling so, the one where you can absorb bullets? No. no. Oh. Which one's that? Ikaruga. For uh, GameCube is what I think you're thinking yeah. of. It, it was on Dreamcast in Japan, but not here. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Giggling is... I think it's an awesome game to introduce people to shooters because it's just, everything seems big and flashy and fun. And even when you die on the first level, which you usually do when you're new to shooters, yeah. your score will be like 40 billion points. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you just, you don't have to really upgrade your weapons to do massive, like your, your normal guns take up like three quarters of the screen. Like it always feels like you're big and strong and powerful and you've got an awesome score and, and it's, um, right off the bat, they have it unlocked so you can have infinite credits. So you can just throw it in with a buddy who's never played shooters and you guys can have a blast for 30 minutes and you're done the game. <laughs> um, and this is another one of those harder to find ones, right? I think the second one more so than the first one, uh, but they're both, uh, you know, $40, $50 games now, I think. Yeah. Um, man, shooters really tend to hold their value pretty well if they're at least halfway decent on systems, right? Yep, absolutely. I think fans of shooters are willing to pay the extra bucks for a good shooter. And I don't think as many of them sell, but I think the people who want those shooters, like, they're willing to, you know, put the money out there. Yeah. I'd definitely say the the prices definitely support that, for sure. Cool. Um, Bill, what you got? Uh, They might seem a little obvious, um, but I'm going to go Crazy Taxi 1 and (laughs) 2. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, as a big Offspring fan, <laughs> I have to. Um, so, so crazy. So, besides, like, and you know what's the biggest surprise for me on Crazy Taxi is that the mode I played the most wasn't like arcade mode. Um, it was like the, like, the mini games mode where it's like, uh, uh, the crazy box or whatever it was called where, like, you had to, like, knock over, like, you know, like bowling pins and, like, uh, you know, like, like uh, you know, launch your car like on like a ski jump, like as far as you not, could, not fall off the incredibly narrow turns. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah! Oh man! I remember you did that, and like I remember you because you fall off those turns, and like you know, everyone's like laughing and like, oh, you fell off the thing, and the Austrian music's going, but like you fell into this like black abyss, <laughs> and I remember thinking like those people are dead. <laughs> But yeah, oh man, we, we stayed up. That's one of those like all nighters, like passing the controller around, like just trying to get like, you know, like up your score or like, you know, do it a little bit better than the last guy on one of those. And then, um, it's, it's not Dreamcast anymore, but like eventually when Crazy Taxi 3 on original Xbox, they kept that going. They call it the Crazy X. And it was, or sorry, you know, it was Crazy Box. It was Crazy Pyramid was in, uh, Crazy Taxi 2. And then, uh, later it was the crazy X, but like all of those like mini games that like had you driving in the crazy taxi style. Um, if you have crazy taxi one or two, and if you have a dreamcast, you probably do. Cause they're like, you know, they're, they're pretty good selling games. And like, there's a lot of copies out there. If you haven't played those like mini game modes, they are fantastic. Yeah, Crazy Tacky was really big in the arcades as well. And then this home yes. version was basically the game. Um, yeah. yeah. Because and Sega for, did the, reuse the hardware a bit, right? Yeah, I, I really, you know, I was looking forward to them, like, because all these great games that were in the arcades at the time were Sega. So I was thinking, oh, Star Wars Arcade, uh, or sorry, Star Wars Trilogy um, will totally be coming to, you know, Dreamcast because <laughs> it was, you know, it was a Sega thing. It was in arcades. Um, and it didn't. 
um, which uh, I always kind of thought that it would. But uh, yeah, Crazy Taxi, um, 18-wheeler, American Pro Trucker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of Sega stuff that was in the arcades. Some stuff better than others. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, Crazy Taxi, I mean, I was a big, big fan of it in the arcades and uh, ended up being surprised by the additional modes in the uh, Dreamcast version. So, uh, big, big fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, Crazy Taxi is just one of those games that's almost ubiquitous that... Uh, oh yeah, it's like the Keith Courage of of the Dreamcast. <laughs> you not have to have one. Yeah, I don't know At if least you see it's it better qu- than Keith Courage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't God. know. If, I don't know if you see it quite as often as you do Keith Courage uh, with you know with a system. But uh, yeah, definitely. Like it's hard to mention the system without mentioning uh, CT. Yeah, I think Pen Pen Trislon is the Keith Courage. <laughs> uh, not down here, buddy. NFL 2K is the is the game it's, that's with every Dreamcast. Here we like we like our our games with ice in them. I was thinking the same thing. Um, in Canada, like there's like, oh penguins. I have to buy that. Sweet, <laughs> it's our national bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Ah, uh, okay. Um, up next, I want to take a minute and I want to talk a little bit about um. Skies of Arcadia before Krabby poo-poos it. Um, <laughs> Skies of Arcadia, I to me is, oh man, I loved this game. Uh, it was put out by a division of Sega. They had weird, like they'd split their dev teams up and they'd given them names. And I want to say that this was Overworks uh, who did um, Skies of Arcadia, but uh, fully. 3D rendered RPG in which you're these sky pirates and mm-hmm. uh, the world is kind of set on these oh, floating islands. That's why Krabby doesn't like that's it. That's pirates. Why. <laughs> oh, pirates. It's all it coming all makes together. sense now. <laughs> it's all coming together. Uh, but you are Vise, uh, a sky pirate, and you have a couple, you know, people that you're going with. Uh, you, know, you have your friend. I, I can't remember her name right off the top of my head. The orange-haired girl? Yeah, and then there's this other gal that's a part of, like, the main plot, this princess or whatever, and she comes into your party, and that's what main story kind of follows. Uh, of course, evil empires and, and whatnot. And the massive disc noise that Bill <laughs> referred to earlier. <laughs> Is her name I- Ica? Uh, so I can't remember. Tika? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody look it up while we're while that, I'm that's how memorable they were. Yeah. Well I remember Vice because hey. he was in Krabby, what about Final Fantasy twelve? You like that one? And uh, no that Chris is a big twelve guy. Oh, Pirates. Another one he doesn't like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh but uh you know, the idea that uh, you fly around to these different areas on your ship, and the cool thing I think about this was um of course you had like the normal random battle sort of stuff. You had these other kind of um, ship battles that you would do and they had uh, also like these secret items in the sky where like if you would get really close to where a secret was like your compass would start spinning around like crazy mm-hmm. and I think if you had one of the jump packs it would vibrate and you could find these hidden items and there were like tons of them that were hidden around but uh, you know it was a very it was a good quality RPG uh, which a lot of systems were having were lacking if you ask me at the time um, Absolutely. That's. I mean, if there's any genre that's lacking on the Dreamcast, it's uh, sports and RPGs. There's actually more on there than I thought when I was looking through it. I think there's just not as many good ones. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, but uh, you know, I, it's a great game. Uh, good enough that there was a GameCube remake 
later on um, with some additional content. Uh, so, you know, I would encourage everybody. It's not a cheap game, but then again, like like you say, Craven, there's nothing for Dreamcast that's crazy expensive. Um, so I think it's well worth picking up. And I think you sold Mike one, right? Uh, just very recently. Eh? Yeah, you showed a picture of that. So good good job. It knows quality. <laughs> so, uh, Billy, I know you've said you've played Skies of Arcadia, right? Yeah, and it's and there's, I think you've said uh, everything that uh, you know can be said about it. It's it's a solid game. Um, it's uh, it was well received in pretty much every you know place that I uh, you know was looking for an opinion on it, except for Game Quest. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's 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 solid. I mean, it, it's it is it is a shame that like that's the one defining factor that I remember on it is like up oh, here comes a battle, but. Uh, um, in, in a time when, like, you know, I had finished, you know, Final Fantasy VII, you know, it was obviously a couple, you know, previous generation, but, like, Final Fantasy VII, VIII, IX, uh, Grand Stream Saga, Legend of Dragoon, like, a lot of these, you know, kind of, like, PlayStation-era uh, RPGs, you're just looking for something, you know, on that next, uh, you know, at the time, the next generation system, and um, I, you know, that's the only memorable RPG off the top of my head uh, on that generation, so I thought it was great. Yeah, good stuff. So ignore Krabby, check out Skies of Arcadia. <laughs> but not ignoring Krabby now. What else you got for me? Um, the some of the better fighting games that I, I thought were the Marvel versus Capcom one and two. <laughs> yeah, the, the, these I, were I concur. These were really popular for a long time. Yeah. Even after they, the system's death, s- right? Yeah, still are. Oh yeah. yeah. And they were, if if I'm not mistaken, they uh, there were PlayStation. Uh, there was a PlayStation version of Marvel Capcom One, yeah, and a uh, uh, PlayStation Two version of Marvel Capcom Two, um, yeah. but uh, neither one supported full character swapping. So like, your team would like jump in and like smack somebody and then jump back out, as opposed to like on the Dreamcast version was like you know the way it was supposed to be. Like you would tag your partner in and then the fight would continue, right. The, I remember for a while too. The PS2 one was selling like crazy. I, I yeah, sold mine right? for like ninety bucks, yeah. and and uh, it's never been near that again. Yeah, because it came out on uh, Xbox Live, right? No, it tanked before that it came out on Xbox Live. I think did it? Okay, yeah. maybe when it was announced digitally or something, right? Uh, maybe I don't know. But yeah, crab de- def- definitely Marvel Capcom. I mean, Marvel Capcom two. I might have played more than, like, I remember taking our dream, we went to vacation at Ocean City, Maryland, and we took the Dreamcast with us. And it's like beautiful, perfect weather outdoors, beaches, uh, uh, you know, like waves and boogie borders. <laughs> so, like, that's my jam. And I was in the hotel room. And to Chris's point earlier with, like, unlockables, do you remember that Marvel Capcom 2 didn't come with all the characters unlocked? You had to, like, <laughs> earn points to like purchase them and unlock there, them in the game. There were so many characters. It took so long, <laughs> oh, but you know what happened is uh, if you, you could, you set the dreamcast to not shut off automatically <laughs> training mode, put it in training mode. <laughs> and then we'd go to uh, uh, down to the beach and we'd come back and we'd just buy whatever characters we could. And once you fit, filled up that whole character cross, like that globe of characters that you could choose, Marvel Capcom two was a revelation on that system. And it's still awesome. Yeah, great stuff. Um, again, Capcom really supported the system really well. I was always really very happy with it. 
Great. So, Crab- so Krabby, even though you like those Marvel Capcom games, you, you said you didn't end up with the uh, arcade sticks ever? I'd never seen them until, like, within the last six months. I oh, wow. never didn't know they existed. What a shame. I, 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 was, I wasn't an arcade snob until I was uh, in my married life. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Controllers were fine when I was a kid. There you go. What you got next, Bill? Um, another game that had kind of an interesting, uh, uh, you know, mechanic, uh, between, um, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, with the uh, introduction of the microphone. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. <laughs> with the introduction of the microphone, you were able to communicate with a half man face. <laughs> Half fish body, Tamagotchi virtual pet thing, yeah, uh, known as semen. Sea <laughs> man, right? Oh, sea man. Okay, so sea man. Now, this was one of the coolest, weird, and like most weird. Quirkiest, most interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, the packaging I thought was really cool. It was like this big, yeah. like it was like a warning sign. Yeah, <laughs> like beware, sea man. And uh, <laughs> uh, and I remember how th- how cool I thought it was when I loaded the game up. And you know how like sometimes you hear like a voice in a video game, and you're like, "Oh, I think that's that guy" or whatever, right? So like in this one, it just loads up, and it's like, "Hi, I'm Leonard Nimoy." <laughs> <laughs> you're like, "What? Spock yeah, like, is oh, in my game? It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah." So and you know, so it was this virtual you know tank, and that's what like you you turn on your TV, there's a little tank there. It kept track of time, so, like, if you let 10 hours go by, you'd come back, and your tank would be all dirty, you have to, like, clean it. Um, but I had the microphone, because you're supposed to, like, you know, nurture and, like, raise this, like, little thing from egg, like, all the way to, like, through adulthood. And I remember the, uh, I, it's one of the freakiest video game experiences I've ever had. So I'm in there with a friend, and we're, it might have even been a girl, I was, like, trying to show her how cool and weird this game was. <laughs> Here, let me and show you my scene. in there. And I'm Sexiest like, game ever. And I'm like, no, check it out. Like, you can talk to it. And we're like, hello. And then it looks at you and it's like, meh. <laughs> and you're like, uh, hello? Like, can you hear me? And it looks at you and like, you know, mumbles something. And I said, do you speak English? And then Seaman looks me right in the eye. And he says, why do all Americans assume that everyone speaks English? <laughs> <laughs> And we looked at each other, like, m- like mouths like open, dropped the controller and like left the room. <laughs> so I'm not doing this. I-, I I remember how how cool I thought it was. I mean, in the end, uh, it was really just like a very quirky uh, game that like you know no one really stuck with really a whole lot. But uh, <laughs> it still is one of the most memorable uh, times I had with the system. So funny. There's a really funny video on YouTube of this guy playing it, and he's talking to him about computers. And the Leonard Nimoy fish is just like, Do you have a computer? Do you, <laughs> do you prefer a laptop or a desktop? <laughs> Excuse me, I need to make a baby. And then he goes and he hooks tubes with his other fish, and they just start like humping in the tank. And then he, as soon as they're done, he dies. He turns upside down and floats to the top of the tank, and it's over. It's awesome. 
It's such a crazy uh, it'd probably game. be better now than it was because I don't have the pa- I didn't have the patience back when it came out. But like now that like you know you can put it on the TV and like walk around and clean the house and then come back to it and be like, "How you doing, buddy?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Seaman was a very cool. And there's there's actually there's been a lot of talk because like with the connect and everything. Oh no! A lot of people have gone back to the creator of Seaman and said, "Hey, like." Why don't why don't you just make it downloadable? Like make a new C man on uh, like Xbox or uh, or whatever. You could call it more C man. Um, yeah, C <laughs> man connect. Uh, but uh, how about new yeah, new C man? Not a thing. That's uh, you know, I guess he has any interest in doing. <laughs> I just that shows you the lengths that Sega was willing to go to, because oh mm. my gosh, that game should have never come to the U.S. Right. Never, <laughs> never come to the U.S. And Sega was like, eh, let's see what happens. Yeah. Right? So uh, I wish companies were still willing to do that. Just put weird crap out and see what sticks. Uh, yep. Yeah, you'd probably just have anime porn. That's all you would get these days. <laughs> uh, Wasn't that why you like Atlas so much? Because <laughs> of the anime porn? <laughs> no, because they just throw... <laughs> They just, like, whatever. Like, oh, this is weird and cool and quirky. We're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Atlas, uh, Axis, and NIS are, like, the only companies that still bring over weird Japanese stuff. Who makes Akiba? Um, I think that was Axis. Okay. So they do bring over anime porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the, like, uh, Skinamax kind of yeah, stuff, yeah, though. Okay. Not, the, not the tentacle porn <laughs> kind of stuff. Thank God. Uh <laughs> All right, so um, up next, I am going to go with, um, uh, gosh, probably one of the ones that stood out to me that, and for a long time, this is the only place you could get this, Street Fighter Three. Um, yeah. Which one? Well, you know, the one that I played was always Double Impact, and then they later released Third Strike, but I never, I never had Third Strike. Uh, I just had Double Impact. Back in the day, but um, you know, I remember you know Street Fighter Two, of course, was so crazy huge, and then I remember when Street Fighter Three came out, and I remember going to the arcade, like, oh my god, it's Street Fighter Three, <laughs> right? And you play, it and you're like, this is different. This is very yeah. different than <laughs> yep. than what I'm used to. And it was hard at the arcade because um, you know you had to dump a lot of money into it, and it was new systems, and it's like, eh. Yeah, and there was always someone in the arcade who was like a Street Fighter nut. Yeah, and he was I'll destroy than you. you yeah. So yeah, and you couldn't take <laughs> all those skills you'd learned from Street Fighter Two and really transfer them over really well. I mean, the basics, but the moves were different. The characters were new. Mm. Um, now was that the, was that the introduction of the parry system? Yes, that was in three. Yep. And uh, so it was a much more intricate fighter than two or you know new challengers or Street Fighter Super. Two turbo, super, mega, ultra, whatever. Uh, but it was good. And when I could get it home and play it, and you really had the time to kind of learn the systems of the game, it's a really fantastic fighter. And mm-hmm. uh, and it, they had the three uh, versions in the arcade. There was the original release, and they had Double Impact, and they had Third Strike. And Double Impact and Third Strike came to the Dreamcast. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I think even Third Strike, up until recently, still commanded a decent amount of money. Uh, I imagine once it came out on Xbox Live, it probably maybe have taken a temporary dip, but I would imagine that won't, I, I that won't last I think long. it's still around 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just talk about a very solid, well-built fighter 
that Street yep. Fighter three. Yeah. The uh, there was a Street Fighter documentary this year, and the what's his name um, Seth Killian. What is this called? Why have I not seen it? I, I sent you a link to it a long time ago. You did? I think so. Yeah, on you're our chat. Busy yeah. watching Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, if you know the name Seth Killian, he used to play and do well in a lot of Street Fighter tournaments, and he eventually got a job working for Capcom developing these kind of games. Oh. And he. Oh, is that the guy that Seth is named after? Yeah. Or, well, I don't know if they named it after him. Um, there's a character in Dive Kick I know they've named after him called S Kill. <laughs> well, you remember the the bat, main bad guy of Street Fighter Four is Seth. Yeah, I, I'm not sure because he. I think he worked on the game, so I don't know if he just named it after himself. <laughs> I, that <laughs> seems weird. But he, he's the guy who plays like cross-handed. He plays with his uh, left hands on the buttons, even though he's right-handed. So he has his right hand on the joystick. It's really weird to watch. Crazy. But yeah. he, he's talking about Third Strike and the appeal of it and how it alienated so many new people because it, it was basically built for all the fans who just couldn't get enough of street fighter 2 and kept playing it long after it was out uh-huh. and it it built on those engines and mechanics and basics and it was like an advanced version of it basically and so when yeah. they made street fighter 4 he's like we need more new people again so they went back to very basic again yeah um because uh, like street fighter 3 was what the big daigo video that yeah. everybody likes to watch it's, uh, it's awesome to watch it is every single time I still watch it. I'm like, holy crap! Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's pretty. I still I like watching. I, I I still watch Evo and all that stuff. I think it's fantastic. Even though I'm nowhere, I'm not very good at those games anymore. Uh, but uh, I I love kind of watching and playing those things. But um, but yeah, Street Fighter Three. Um, you know, I'd say if, you know if you're going to go out and buy one, get Third Strike because you know it's the latter release. But um, Great games, great yeah. games. You, yeah. know, you know what small difference I always notice between Double Impact and Third Strike? Um, I always and it's again, it's really small difference, like when you or the really small detail when you think about these games. But uh, the character models are larger in Double Impact. Like, are they really? They just take up more of the screen, and like I didn't really notice it until because I had Street Fighter Alpha three at the time for Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, and the characters are, you know, they're a good deal smaller. In Street Fighter 3, uh, when Double Impact came out, I remembered like, oh wow, these characters are huge. Like they, they're just, you know, they, they're able to like make bigger character models. And then when I went to Third Strike, I noticed that they were not as large anymore. And I don't know, I mean, that's just kind of like a personal like preference thing, but like I just, it's, it, it stood out to me that the, that the character models in Double Impact uh, appeared larger. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Double Impact and Third Strike are both solid. Um, I own them both, um, and uh, they're both really good. Yeah, fantastic. Krabby, what you got next? Um, I mentioned my the first experience with it was a few months after launch. Mm-hmm. Um, my buddy, when I went over there, he only had two games for it, and it was I think it was like just before Christmas, like a week before, and he got Soul Calibur and... Uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica, which was the one we ended up playing a lot of. Mm. And the the cinematic near the start with the like helicopter shooting the windows out with her running. One of the uh. best ones ever. <laughs> yeah, it was so amazing at the time oh. to, to see that. And then the game just had this really spooky feel right off the start, like in that kind of yeah. 
it's not really a graveyard, but there was like so many zombies. Like usually, like even in the cities in the earlier ones, there was not that many zombies there. There were so many at the start of this game that you just already felt like you were going to die like for the first hour straight. I think I think we talked about that opening cinematic, but oh my god, it is so good, so 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 good. Like and like and when like spoiler alert when like she's got her hands up and then she drops the gun, but then drops her body down, catches the gun. Like it's like I want to watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's really really great. Open and then the, the uh, another spoiler alert. Like it's another one of those things where like the bad guy that you think is the bad guy is not really the bad guy. No. Um, and, uh, it's, yeah, it, I 100% agree, Crab. It's, uh, I'm not a huge Resident Evil guy because I'm not very good at the games, even though I know that they're very good. Um, this game just creeps you out. Like, the whole atmosphere of this one in particular really creeps me out. <laughs> yeah, I bought this one uh, when it was released and played through it and love it because, uh, also notable because it was the first, uh, really 3D. Um, Resident Evil. All the yeah, it was the like first one without the pre-rendered backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. you guys, both, goes, you guys both finish it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't good enough. <laughs> no, yeah. it, it was longer than the previous few in the series. Like, I, I felt it had a good, like, most of them you can speed run within like an hour to an hour and a half when you get really good at them. Mm-hmm. This one felt like a three-hour speed run. Mm. Yeah, it was, uh, that was a lot of content to it. And remember, like, those moth creatures that would, like, come to, like, lay eggs on you or whatever? Oh, yeah, it yeah. creeped me out. Oh, my gosh, creeped me out so badly. Uh, because you start out and then, like, eventually you get to, like, the ice place. Yes. Like, it's been so long since I played and, it. But, and is, oh, and if I remember correctly, this one had the, uh, where you're fighting the dude on the plane and you gotta, like, hit him with the cargo. Maybe. It's been yes, a long time. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, and I know that's the point is like they're trying to make you feel uncomfortable and like you don't have enough ammo and that you have to like struggle for like every inch. Um, and I know that's the point. And there's people who like feeling that way. Um, I don't love feeling that way all the time. It felt worse in this game too. Like the other games, like just because you're in like a big area that like a city, like in Resident Evil 3, for instance, Mm -hmm. it feels like, you know, hey, I'll run into something. Some idiot would have, you know, held couple bullets under the counter in a store or whatever mm. but this one like it, just because of the locale the setting it doesn't feel like places you'll find ammunitions so you always feel very vulnerable yeah all right um bill what you got uh i'm gonna pull a big surprise out of the box more surprising than seaman <laughs> the big surprise is South Park Chef's Love Shack. (laughs) (laughs) This game. That's a big surprise. Someone got it for me for my birthday. Probably whoever I was dating at the time. And uh, I think they actually got it for me for the PlayStation. And then I went and I exchanged it for the Dreamcast version because, you know, why wouldn't you? And uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty bad trivia game. And, but the mini games, some of the mini games are really fun. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but like, you know, like the kind of the South Park style with like, you know, how it's all like crappily animated and like, it's just like the way things are. So like, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you're, you're all running, you know, like kind of like left to right on the screen and you're all trying to like jump over 
you know, like logs, like to not be the last one to like uh, kind of get left out. Um, <laughs> it's just a, a silly, stupid little like if you like South Park humor, like you'd really like it. Uh, and I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, especially because the trip, because basically it's a trivia game. So like the last few question, everyone buzzes in and then you give your answer. And then like every like three or four questions, you play a mini game. The trivia part of it is bad, just straight up bad. <laughs> no one's going to have fun with it. So like we would all just like, you know, hit whatever button we could just to get through the trivia as fast as possible to get back to the mini games. And there's no mode to like just go straight to mini I just want to play like free play mini games. There's no there's none of that. Um so uh you know despite missing those features some of the mini games are still really really fun. So uh uh it's one of those oddballs that like I just I look at on the shelf and like I pull it out once in a while and I just smile just from the you know the the time we used to have with it and uh I'm sure it's probably the worst game that we'll talk about uh today. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, it's, I got, we've it's already got talked about Skies of Arcadia, though. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Why does he have to do it? I set him up, All you right. knock him down. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, then. My turn. I want to talk about Cannon Spike. Nice. So, um, Cannon Spike, another Capcom game. We are, we know it's a trend here, aren't we? Uh, well, more, give me more Cammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, appropriately, right? Cannon Spike kind of named after the move that Cammy does. Um, but yeah, they just get the, they, uh, kind of your traditional, like Capcom just likes to do this stuff. So they take a bunch of their characters, they smash them into a game. And, uh, a lot of these are just, you know, like odd, like, okay, Cammy. Okay, let's star her. And then her, Charlie <laughs> from Alpha. Let's cram him in there too. And then Arthur from Ghouls and... Yeah, we'll put him in there, right? <laughs> Charlie's the one that looks like Wet Guile, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> his hair fell down with glasses. Right. And then um, there was the Darkstalkers girl, right? Which one was it? Felicia? No. Heisen, the, Heisen Co? No, uh, the re- red... Uh, like, Red Riding Hood. Oh, one, Red Hood, yeah. Uh, I think that was the one. But uh, this is like a almost like a twin stick shooter kind of game, uh, which is just how odd, right? <laughs> Who was at Capcom that went, yeah, this is what we need to put together. Let's take all these characters, mash them together, and um, put them into like a top D- town kind of view 3D shooter game. Um, hey, it worked. It did, and uh, very interesting game. And didn't uh, I'm guessing didn't sell very well because it's kind of hard to find and very pricey these days, right? Yeah, it's it's gotten up there. Yeah, so just really an odd idea uh, that Capcom came up with. Never heard anything else about it. There was nothing. You know what I mean? A lot of these other games at least got ported to PS2. Poor Cannon Spike. <laughs> <laughs> just got left behind on the Dreamcast, but. Uh, that was pretty cool. I mean, it's just uh, like, uh, again, like we talked about before, they just went out there, like, you know, like SEMA, like they just went, yeah, let's just do it. Just throw it out there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and uh, and they did. So that was pretty cool. I like that. Go Capcom. Go Capcom. No no comments from the peanut gallery about no. Cannon Spike? Or? I've never played Cannon Spike. It's awesome. It's, yeah. You should check it out. Yeah. It's $80, but it's awesome. Yeah. It's worth it. It's is if. It- is it worth eighty dollars? 
if you're it's like the mm. shoot 'em up fans. If you if you're into that yeah. kind of game, it's worth it. Yeah. If you just want to check it out out of a curiosity, borrow it. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to think that any like I don't know. I'd say it's definitely not probably for everyone. But if you A like Capcom fan service mm-hmm. and B like shooting games, go for it. So if you like Capcom fan service, you can just get Dead Rising. You could. Because that has Ultra Megazor Capcom download pack. <laughs> then you have to download something. Oh, Ugh. what a piece Ugh. of garbage. When I was watching that with Fleech when he was here, you were so I, excited. I was so pumped until the last like <laughs> two seconds. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Where can I buy this? And Available like, oh, to download today. Yeah. No. That's exactly what happened. Oh, man. Have you put, I mean, so with all your, your luck in, uh, well, not luck, with all your hard work and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, paying off, uh, with, uh, you know, the legislation that's, uh, you're getting a change up in your area there. Have you thought about applying that petitioning skill to Capcom <laughs> to see if you can get a physical release of, uh, Ultra Mega Download Edition? It's my next goal. <laughs> Keep working on them. Keep working. What you got next for us, Krabby? All right, since you did Capcom, we'll do something uh, SNK next. Okay. Um, another fighting game I've really enjoyed, uh, Fatal Fury, Mark of the Wolves. Oh, going full SNK on us. Yeah. Um, it's still known as one of the like just really, really balanced, best like tournament kind of games. Um, it's got a really tight roster, not like overly overwhelming one, just one that didn't need like, you know, an ultra version to come out and then a hyper version. And then like they, they did it right the first time and, and the roster, like you can pretty much get good with anybody and have a chance in a tournament setting. Um, it's really fun. It plays a lot like other Fatal Fury games. Um, if you've ever played any of those fighting ones, you'll be pretty comfortable going into it. A uh, very like, kind of like third strike where it's, you got to spend a lot of time learning the systems and to get really good at it, though. Yeah, they get started getting pretty technical, right? Because that's the way all those fighting games seem to go. They start off kind of eh, everybody can jump in, and then well, we have to really crank it up to make money. Yeah, right? yeah, it's kind of what turned me off of uh, Street Fighter Four. That's what, ha- yeah, that's exactly what's happened to Street Fighter Four. Like I bought it, and I'm like, okay, Street Fighter Four, I'm gonna get into it, and then I was like, no, <laughs> I am not good at this game. I don't understand. Four is like back to the basics. Like it's not uh, technical at all. Well, no, because four like, is. Well, you, like, four you, is not. No, like but... you, no, you think that, and then like you go into training mode, and then it's like, okay, just do this. And you're like, okay, I'll just punch that guy. Okay, now do like. This three hit combo. Okay, I'll do that. Now do this seventeen hit combo. And like I'm trying to do, and I'm like my fingers like they don't work that way. And my brother who's a big Street Fighter guy. He's like looking at me in the eye as he's doing it. He's like, oh, it's just like that. Like oh, you do those seventeen buttons like just like that. And I'm like, <laughs> no. If yeah. you watch a lot of tournament matches though, like you'll you'll see them doing like the three to five hit combos because they can consistently do them and they do decent damage. They they play it mm. safe all the time. They use basics to do well. They don't need those huge huge flashy combos. Yeah, I, that's I felt, true. I felt like the game was trying to teach me how to play it, and I was like, I don't want to play you that way. The training mode is terrible in that game. Don't oh. ever play it. Just play okay. against your friends and have fun. The training mode because it's so. You have to like hit things in the perfect frame to link combos, and right. it is frustrating. That's what yeah. frustrated me about it. So you're telling me, forget that, just go in and do it. 
just play with the buddy and you guys will get better. You'll learn to dodge fireballs on your own. You'll learn to do little three to four hit combos that feel good and look good enough that you'll be happy with them. And yeah, the training mode's awful. All right. I'm willing to give it another shot. Oh, uh, and I'd say specialize in a character, right? Don't, don't try and, to learn all of them. And that was one of the uh, recent free games with gold. So, uh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. And then ultra just came out. So, so, so yeah. not, not, not to, not to hijack, uh, uh Krabby's, uh, SNK, uh, uh, bit right here. So what, uh, is it something that you still play? The Mark of the Wolves? Yes. Uh, yeah, like when I said when I'd bring like a stack of games to the gaming things, mm-hmm. um, that, that's always in the stack. Does anyone have ever... SNK players? Uh, there's a few actually. I got like the King of Fighters uh, in the Neo Geo that uh, Bill hooked me up with. And Ooh. every time it's dead enough in here or I have my employee in and I see someone in the store I know that's in the SNK, it's like throw some quarters at them and we just hang out for 20 minutes and play King of Fighters. <laughs> stop throwing quarters at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play. Just stop. <laughs> Those toonies hurt. That's, that's what I got to do to get people to jam some wind around here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill, take us back. What else we got in there? All right. So uh, Sega is pretty well known for uh, uh, their racing games between like, you know, Daytona uh, like on the Saturn and, uh, uh, others as well. Um, so <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the better, uh, rally games that I remember playing, um, on any system is Sega Rally Championship. Um, this is one of those games that it doesn't matter if you're good at racing games or not. You're not good at this game. Uh, like you really, 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 the controls are really twitchy which really frustrates a lot of people because the game comes across as very, very difficult. And it is very, very difficult. Um, but, like, it's one of those things where if you can pull into a turn and, like, drift through it and control the drift the whole way through where, like, you're not, like, fishtailing too much or taking it too shallow, it fe- it's an amazing feeling coming out of that turn. The problem is in this game, you kind of have to do that on almost every turn to have a chance of winning the race. Um I probably spent more time. This is one of the only racing games that I spent significantly more time losing races than winning races and still having fun. Um, just because I wanted to get better at racing. Uh, and I've always really liked rally games and, uh, kind of like the, the off-road tracks in Gran Turismo, like dirt track racing. Um, I just like sliding across the track in the racing games I play. Um, so Sega Rally, uh, championship, uh, if you're into, you know, any kind of a, a racing game that's off-road, um, just be fully aware that it's going to be uh, not the easiest uh, drift racing you've ever uh, had to do. So, uh, you know, I never really played a lot of the Sega Rally games. Um, and I was always a big Daytona fan, but never really gave it much time. And I know rally racing is like oh, its own little thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, like the, like the uh, Colin McRae rally games and uh, Codemasters, uh, they're big into the rally scene. I think the Colin McRae rally became the Dirt series. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. So, uh, uh, yeah, so Colin McRae uh, became, you know, like like Colin McRae, like four is Dirt. And then it was like Dirt 2, Dirt 3. So, like, Dirt 3 is actually Colin McRae 7 um, or whatever it is. But, yeah, it's uh, the rally racing scene is its its own whole new thing. So, where does Joe Dirt and the, and the uh... Joe, oh, it's actually Dear Tay. 
No, nothing's complete without a Joe Dirt. <laughs> no, <laughs> very, very, very few things are. So yeah, it's it's, it's actually um I don't, I don't know if I uh, threw the two in there. Sega Rally Championship was a dream. Uh, sorry, a Saturn game. So this yes. is Sega uh, Rally Two. Um, was the uh, the Dreamcast version. Um, relatively inexpensive. Um, and it's probably one of those you know like it's kind of seen as like a you know. Most racing sports games, like if you go to a flea market, like that's kind of all that's left because <laughs> everything's picked, picked <laughs> it over. So it shouldn't be too difficult to find a copy of this for like a few bucks. And uh, um, I think it's a really good uh, good game if you like rally racing. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, well, up next, I think I've mentioned a little briefly, but I want to spend uh, maybe just a little more time talking about Fancy Star Online. Right. Um, Fancy Star Online was really... I think pretty revolutionary for the time because what it did was uh, it allowed you to play online with um, other people and you would go into basically like a, an area and there could be f- up to four of you that could play together and you would go through these levels. You would power up, you'd get better weapons from drops that you would find. So it's had some basic loot system to it and um, it was – uh, really great because it took all the stuff kind of from the Fantasy Star universe, built on it, added some new races and jobs, and uh, kind of really just turned you loose in this completely online world. You can't uh, – it had like an offline mode where you could do that stuff too, and then it was like an online mode where you could play. And, of course, most of the time, if you could, that's where you spent your time was in the online mode because you could team up and you could get some some better drops. You could help each other out. It was a lot of fun. And, and as you guys mentioned before, you could use the – the keyboard, you can type messages back and forth, um, at least when you're all speaking the same language. Uh, but it worked pretty well, and I had a lot of fun with it. I played that thing uh, probably to death. I played a lot of Fancy Star Online, even played it again more once it, they got another re-release on Xbox and played through that again for a really long time. But just a great story. It's not terribly long, um, I want to say there's like maybe like four main zones to go through and each one kind of has a big boss at the end and you can just repeat them over and over, uh, at like various difficulty levels really. You're just, again, it's like, uh, like a lot of these games, you're just grinding. You want to get more powerful, higher levels, uh, more, better loot, uh, guns and things. And then you also had these companion characters called mags and mags were like this little robot that would follow follow you along and you had to kind of feed it again we're getting back to like that tamagotchi stuff right (laughs) but uh your mag would evolve so if you fed it items it would evolve and it gave you stat boosts to your playing and they were also like really hard to find mags where like if you didn't evolve them just the right way you would get like a Dreamcast mag or like a Genesis mag or whatever that would be floating around behind you and stuff. So it was always pretty cool to check these things out. Uh, a lot of fun just playing with people and uh, really probably one of my first major online gaming experiences. And uh, it was just really well done. Tons of fun to play. Anybody? You guys at all Fancy Star Online? I had it. I really, really liked it. But I really didn't want to, I really wanted to play with people that I knew. And I thought that that was a thing that you could do. Um, and I found the whole like kind of custom setup of using the broadband adapter and like, uh, just like the whole, I remember like thinking it was going to be a whole lot more seamless than it was. And like it actually required you to do a lot of the work. 
So I didn't play it for longer than like a couple of months. Yeah, and you had to pay a fee to play. Right. <laughs> you know, you had to have this hunter's license. So uh, it was back in those days where online games, you had to pay a separate monthly fee to play them. Uh, it wasn't very expensive, though. I don't remember very expensive at all. And one of my roommates, uh, I didn't play it on the Dreamcast, but he got the GameCube version with the broadband adapter. Yeah. And we used to watch him play it all the time, but I've just, any MMO, I've tried to get into a few. I, they just don't hold any appeal to me. I'm pretty sure you can't classify this as MMO because four people is not massively multiplayer. <laughs> if, if there's more than I can fit on my couch, it's massive. You can fit four people on your couch, right? I don't have a big couch. <laughs> you have a love seat. I do. I like to be close to my gaming buddies. <laughs> I have one of those X arcade sticks that has like the two controls on it. So mm. we got to sit like right next to each other, like <laughs> touching thighs to play fighting games. That's true. Yes, you do. Uh, but that's it. I have a lot of love for, for PSO. Uh, there's a couple of versions for Dreamcast. Um, yeah, I'd say check it out. It's fun. It's great. Yeah, there's literally a couple of versions. Yes. Yep, and, and it's just labeled, it's labeled V2, right? Yeah, I, I think that's it. And they just kind of added some extra content. Mm. Okay, Krabby, what else you got? Um, another kind of goofy one that I really enjoyed called Dynamite Cop. Dynamite Cop. <laughs> <laughs> this is called Dynamite Deca in Japan. <laughs> and I remember like reading a preview for it and uh, thinking it was going to be really cool. I never ended up playing this game. Uh, you should check it out if you get a chance. It is so much fun. It's like a 3D beat 'em up, but just mm-hmm. so ridiculous and goofy. Like even even on the cover, it's got something ridiculous about tuna slinging right on the cover, because like, <laughs> <laughs> you could like pick up all sorts of weird stuff and use it as weapons throughout the game. Um, but it's a really solid beat 'em up and just doesn't take itself seriously. It's really ridiculous the whole way through. Um, okay. Like yeah, it and the the main guy is totally based on, like, Bruce Willis from Die Hard. Right. <laughs> it's, like, a big parody, and it's it's really fun. So so it's actually – so you mean, like, the game literally, like, it's, like – is it, like, a comedy? Like, it does – it's a it's a parody of, of Die Hard? Yeah, basically. It's, it's more like a parody of action movies, and the main character just happens to be Bruce Willis. <laughs> so it's, so it's kind of, like, Expendables-y? No way wackier than that. Oh, okay. It's more like uh, like Spy Hard. <laughs> oh, wow. So that far. Well, maybe some in between there. <laughs> <laughs> Just pure cheese. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That sounds cool. That's cool. I've never played Dynamite Cop, so I don't... I don't... It's, it's not as expensive as a lot of the other ones we've been talking about. I think it's still around the like $20 range. So, so quite affordable to try out. Interesting. So is it, I mean, what's the gameplay like? Um, did you ever play like, uh, what's that one? Fighting Force? Yes. It's like that, but with better controls. Oh, okay. Because uh, probably cause wasn't hard. When you were describing it as like kind of like a 3D, like beat em up, I was kind of thinking of the bouncer. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. Nope. I remember that was going to be such a thing. Oh, man. Yep. Please, please forget the bouncer. <laughs> We used uh, to always log online to check the Final Fantasy IX online guide they had. Yeah. And every single time the front page was like ads for the bouncer for like a year straight. Oh, jeez, So terrible. Yeah. Um, Bill, got anything else for us? Oh, you know I do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the, uh, the, the downfalls of the uh, system was that uh, uh, 
I don't think we've mentioned this uh, yet before, but Electronic Arts absolutely refused to develop any games for the Dreamcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it's, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what their problem with it was. Um, but, uh, uh, EA and Sega weren't seeing eye to eye. So that's why there's no EA stuff, uh, on the system. Um, now this did something interesting because uh, Sega wanted, you know, sports games. So it's part of the reason why Sega Sports and NFL 2K came about. And then, uh, uh, you know, NHL 2K. Uh, also became a thing because there's no way to get EA Sports uh, NHL series over there. So the NHL 2K series um, is fantastic. Uh, there's only three games uh, on the Dreamcast uh, for the NHL. There's NHL 2K, 2K1, and 2K2. And we foreshadowed to this uh, 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 this earlier. NHL 2K2 featuring Chris Drury on the cover. Uh, Connecticut's own Chris Drury, uh, who also pitched a winning... Uh, Little League World Series game, as well as being a Stanley Cup champion. A little bit of trivia for you. Um, it was the last game at retail, and I, I I bought that at retail for the Dreamcast. And the NHL 2K series, not only was it great, it was better than EA's hockey game all three years it was out. Um, EA had gotten kind of cocky about, uh, you know, no one, you know, ha- it was, no, no one was opposing EA. No one was opposing them with their hockey games. Like, the, seriously, the year before, or like the year that uh, NHL 2K came out, EA's NHL hockey game, like, when you would take a slap shot in their simulation hockey game, a sound effect of a cannon uh, uh, would would play. <laughs> and there's literally a line when you score a goal in NHL 2000 on the PlayStation 2, where you score a goal, and, uh, like, the, like the, the, the horn goes off, and then the announcer says... Uh, Ah, I spilled hot coffee on my legs. <laughs> and then the other guy, the color commentator guy says, those are my legs. <laughs> what? Yeah. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, what is this? Like Abbott and Costello? Like I'm listening to a comedy <laughs> bit and then my simulation hockey game. So they kind of got a little carried away. And I, I feel like the, uh, even though a lot of people don't agree with me, but I think 2K kind of forced them to refocus on like actually making a good hockey game, um, which they did. And I think uh, uh, now you're seeing some of the, uh, you know, the effects of not having any competition, but uh, <laughs> uh, not to, you know, not to get too much into like a hockey jam here. And if you, you know, hockey games on there's, you know, there's only one choice on the Dreamcast is the 2K series. They're all really, really solid. So um, when Sega stopped with the Dreamcast, did they continue to make these games for other systems like they did the 2K, other 2K games? Uh, funny you should ask. <laughs> so the 2K company uh was it was all sports. Um it was you know NFL 2K, uh NHL 2K, NBA 2K and then I mean as you you know obviously know 2K you know makes many many other things uh that are not sports. I think the only right. sports game they still make is NBA. Um, so, uh, uh, 2K, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you the exact history of the company and kind of how it evolved from what it was to what it is. Um, but 2K games started out, uh, just as a, you know, a division of Sega making, just dedicated to making sports games. And then they slowly branched out to making other things. And, uh, now 2K is 2K, but, uh, they came from a, a humble sports game, uh, uh, beginning on the Dreamcast. Amazing stuff, right? Yeah. That's, that's a good story. What other, what other, what other team starts off making like a yearly, you know, 
just a yearly franchise type game and actually grows to what 2K is right now. It's it's really yeah, no kind of unbelievable. Yeah, 2K is huge for sure. Um, okay, um, I'm going to go up next with um, Jet Set Radio, or in some territories is Jet Grind Radio. But uh, this was like this really wacky Sega game uh, for Dreamcast that really had you going around and grinding on things, uh, doing some tricks, and doing a lot of spray paint. You do like spray paint tagging. And these cops, of course, would be after you for doing it. You'd have to do like a certain number of tags. So you'd have to like skate up to a place where you're supposed to do a tag. And then to paint the tag, you'd have to like move the joystick in certain ways and then have enough time so you could spray the thing, you know, the tag on the on the wall and then keep moving. And uh, you had like this big kind of world that you'd move around to do this. And it was just kind of like a lot of fun. It was nothing like incredibly fancy, but it was just, it uses, it was one of the, I think one of the, earlier games that used that cell shading style of graphics. Yeah, and it was really unique looking back then. Yep. Yeah. And people, people forget that was like a trend for a little bit. Yeah. And that was one of the first ones that's uh, like one of the most prominent uh, cell shaded games. Yeah, it was like a big deal at the time. Very stylized. And, um, and another thing that was cool about that game was you could use the online part of it where you could go and get pictures from the internet and download them like jpegs <laughs> into the game and you could use those as your like tags in the environment so you could spray paint you know tags uh, but like pictures of whatever you wanted to download from the internet so we all know what the 14 year old uh, boys downloaded uh, from the you internet you already know what everyone how could, had how could this possibly go wrong <laughs> exactly Right, exactly. Uh, just kind of like you remember back with the N64 where originally they were going to have Perfect Dark where you could use the Game Boy camera to put your face <laughs> on the characters until they figured out everybody would just have dong heads. <laughs> but faces. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, you could do that. So, of course, yeah, you would just have naked women and stuff or whatever. Uh, but you could use any picture. I mean, anything you wanted to. You could just download the file onto your VMU, and you could put them in as your tags. So uh, it was kind of cool. It was a really pretty neat idea. It was very, again, it was a very much of the time. It was Sega just, yeah, sure, let's just do it. You know, let's just see what happens. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And eventually they did get a sequel uh, on Xbox. Mm-hmm. But uh, pretty cool game. Any guys, Jet Grind, Jet Set? I thought it was a cool game. I you know I got it got it right when it came out. Didn't play a ton of it. Kind of you know like I kind of feel the way about that game is Krabby feels about Sonic Adventure. Okay. <laughs> I feel I feel like the momentum should have carried you know like I, I feel like I want to grind a rail and now I'm building up speed and I'm spraying tags and then I jump off that rail. I have some speed. I get on another rail. Oh, I'm spraying tags, and I feel like okay like okay I jumped a rail, sprayed a tag. Jumped a rail, sprayed a tag. Jumped a rail, sprayed a tag. Uh, like is, you know, what else am I supposed to be doing? And then like, you know, you jump off a rail then you kind of accidentally hit a wall and then you're at a stop now and now you yeah. start moving again. And then you, you, so it's like, I feel like I either wasn't good enough at it to keep the momentum going or, you know, the game just wanted me to spray a few things a handful of times and then slow down and then do it again. So I'm not sure it really like hooked me the way it hooked a lot of people. 
Um, but I did uh, I did buy it when it came out, and I did play it uh, for a bit. I unfortunately played a lot of Tony Hawk prior to playing that game, and mm. then felt kind of like Bill saying, like th- those games, you just never stop. You're always doing something, banking points, and Jet Set just wasn't as fast as I wanted it to be. That's okay. a really interesting point because I was real big into Tony Hawk too. Uh, no, I, I, when I say that, I mean Tony Hawk also. Um, and then, and then <laughs> two, say, two is good. Two is great. <laughs> and then um, uh, the three and four. Uh, uh, like, when, four was when, just, just still like one of my favorite games. When so they good. when they let you, I think it was it was either three or four where you could manual off of uh, off of anything. Yeah. You'd stretch one trick for the entire run. It'd be yeah. like 80 million points. I remember <laughs> people who didn't understand how that worked. I was like in college and I would like pop in someone's dorm room, do like an 80 billion point trick, <laughs> drop the controller and leave. And they were like, what just happened? But, but yeah, that's all I wanted to do is like speed, speed, link a trick, link a trick, keep doing stuff, do other stuff, do different stuff, do this. And like Jet Set was like, grind a rail, hit a button to spray. Grind a rail, hit a button to spray. Stop. Yeah, and maybe that's the thing. Again. Uh, I never really did. I never really played Tony Hawk, so maybe that's why I don't come from there. But uh, there you go, Krabby. Um, you guys mentioned uh, Samba de Amigo earlier. I didn't really get into that one as much. My rhythm game of choice was Space Channel 5. <laughs> is one it because, or two or both? Is, is it because it's a lady? Lady and and just, I don't know, Samba was weird, but this was weirder somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it had Michael Jackson in it. <laughs> yeah, it was just quirky, weird, fun, and you didn't need the peripheral either, so you didn't have to close the blinds. <laughs> you could just, you could play it. Didn't you, feel, didn't you feel like it was a little Parappa-y? I missed out on Parappa completely. I didn't know that game existed when I oh, played this. Oh, no. <laughs> what a shame. That's a crime against humanity. Right <laughs> yeah, it was I don't know, delightful, quirky, fun. And I don't know, for some reason, when games like that are enjoyable, even if they don't have soundtracks that I would ever listen to outside that game, I, I can get over it and play it and just have fun. Well, for people that don't know about Space Channel 5, why don't you tell them about the game? Um, yeah, like anyone who's played Parappa, it's kind of the same idea, right? You you have button combinations that pop up that you kind of usually tap in, in rhythm to the music that's going on to make... Once you get to the end of the sequence, you know, it's, it's acting out some weird, goofy scene that finishes as you progress through the song. Yeah, and they're like dance numbers, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, she's supposed to be like a space reporter or something. So she goes to all these <laughs> oh, weird... Oh, that's right. She was a news reporter. Yeah, she goes to all these weird intergalactic places and just goofy things happen and you, you dance your way through them. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's always funny. Kind of like uh, Final Fantasy X-2 with the girl band. Exactly. There's like a great big uh, world crisis, <laughs> but uh, give me the microphone. <laughs> Yeah, Ulala, wasn't that her name? Ulala. 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 Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Ulala and her friend Gum. I don't remember she, that she had, part. Yeah, she had a weird name. I just remember Maybe. Michael Jackson. Because <laughs> there's two of them, right? Two of them on Dreamcast. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe Gum's in the second one, then I can't remember. I don't know. But man, just wacky. Uh, yeah, it was again, uh, man, the, like you said, there's just not enough, you know, publishers out there that do that these days to just go yeah sure just do it let's see what happens i guess maybe indie games that's where indie games are are shining these days right 
but I'm missing out on all the good ones. Yep. You're going to have to adjust your uh, principles. There's still enough physical stuff I've missed out on. I won't have to adjust oh, sure. for decades. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Good deal. So, uh, Bill, you got something else in the tank? Uh, you know what? I uh, I might uh, I might bother some people with this. Uh oh. <laughs> but I'm gonna go out on a limb and 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 talk about a game that I was really excited for and defended for a long time, and now I've kind of come to the realization of like it's a high profile game, and I don't think it was that great, and I kind of understand why it died. Uh oh. Shenmue. Oh, you're gonna do it? I, you know what? It's it was very ambitious. Um, Shenmue. Is uh, it Mu or Mui? I say I say Shenmue. I've always <laughs> I've always Muied it. You've always Muied it. Yeah. yeah, but you also say Vi Vi. But that that's the right thing. <laughs> Shenmue. I can I can. Uh, Shenmue. Yeah, I, I might be wrong with that one. I'm not wrong with Vi Vi. I'll say Shenmue. It's just for Krabby. I so say Shenmue. Uh, I'm going to say Shenmue because Krabby is <laughs> Krabby. So in Shenmue 1, uh, and this is one of those, you know, kind of high profile, like, you know, game that everyone's expecting to come out. It's a big Sega thing. Uh, uh, it's, you know, it's going to have fighting. It's going to have, you know, because the Virtua Fighter, right? Virtua Fighter engine. It's going to have, you know, good fighting. It's going to have story. It's going to open world. You're going to be able to draw, you know, like uh, get a job. Uh, you know, take care of things like, you know, like what time is it? Oh, it's time to go home. It was kind of like one of the first games that tried to do that. And for one of the first games that tried to do that, it's really not that bad um, at doing a lot of those things, but uh, it's also not that fun. Uh, it's, it's just ambitious, but there's no fun factor in there. So as much as I, you know, you know, you really want to like that game. Isn't it um, also one of the games that kind of pioneered like quick action cutscenes? It uh, did. It, that was it, that was the I one. I don't think it pioneered because like it's people knew what QTEs were before that game. I, I don't mean as like the first one. It really like started oh, yeah. the trend though, like popularized oh, yeah. it. I was gonna say that game came came up with the term QTE. Yeah, but yeah, they did. Yeah, it was the first genesis of quick time event. Although we can say it goes back to like laserdisc games, really. But right, like they, yeah, they they well, it's that's the beginning. That's the coining of the phrase, and then people were like, "Oh, now that it has a name, we can do it also." <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, like you would jump up to an arcade machine, and it was like you know, like just press like you know Y when the thing comes up, and uh, the only thing that wasn't QTE for the most part was like the real time fighting. Everything else that happened in the game, you could be walking in a cutscene, and then someone runs by you. Oh, you gotta hit the B button. Oh, you didn't hit the B button. Oh, then the story changes. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Like it's, Shenmue is one of the, and then like Shenmue Two came out. I bought it. I don't even remember anything about Shenmue Two, movie. Yeah, because here we got it on Xbox, but in Europe and Japan they got it on Dreamcast. So. Right. And it was supposed to be like this whole big, like, oh, it's going to be like a three, four, five part, like big, huge game. I think the only thing I remember about Shenmue 2 was like previously on Shenmue. <laughs> and it showed the entire story of Shenmue 1 in like 40 seconds. And you're like, that is everything that happened <laughs> story wise in Shenmue 1. Like that took forever. And nothing happened. <laughs> it's because so, you spent all your time playing Plinko. 
oh man, you were uh, driving on the dock. Oh, you need to just pick up this pallet and move it over here for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I didn't mean to go on a Shenmue rant, but I, it the, the game, you know, it's a well-known uh, Sega game for the system. I do not think it is good. Uh, let me just say that the opinions of Bill do not represent those <laughs> of the other hosts. The Actually, not... they, they do in this case. The game's I, not good. I am okay. 100% with Bill on this. They don't represent my opinion, then. I, 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 I wasn't joking about down. the Plinko. I just play Plinko <laughs> for like two hours. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm never playing Shenmue again. <laughs> I love this game. I you played all the way this through game? it. Yeah. Nothing happens I, in it. I played through it because it was... There's sailors. Come on. <laughs> it was very... But what do you do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> it was kind of the first sort of open world-ish kind of experience that you had. Where it was kind of go anywhere, do what you want sort of thing. Things happened at certain times and you kind of had a world to play in. You know I don't uh, like that. I didn't say you did. I said if, I did. If they made that world go just left to right, then I'd be okay with that. <laughs> but you know, that's it. You would, uh, you know, you check your watch. You could look in places. You you could visit people at different times of day. You could talk all to of them. The, all of the things you're saying are things you can do in this game, and yeah. none of them are fun. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a neat experience. I enjoyed I it. I agree. It's a neat. Um, it, it's a very good idea. And the fighting engine was really good when you did the fights. Yep, absolutely. It was, really it, was it was very ambitious. I'm glad that there are people in the world willing to say, you know what? No one's ever done this before. I'm doing this. I'm glad that that's the thing. And I'm also, you know, like, hey, you know, not a, not everyone's a winner. Let's just say let's agree to disagree. That's fine. We normally do. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I have a lot of fond memories of, of Shinmu. So, um. But that's okay. Uh, I'm going to go and talk about more about Capcom again. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> for the Dreamcast, it's a very big Capcom-y show. But I want to talk about Project Justice, right? So um, I, say proje- I say Project Justice. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I'll say that just for you. Just Project Justice. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Project Justice is basically what, like the sequel to Rival Schools, right? Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. So Rival Schools was originally on the PlayStation, a 3D fighter that's about basically kind of like high school kids. Uh, and yeah. there were from Rival Schools. There you go. See, <laughs> and uh, and I, th- Project- I think that's like a like I know you know, and there's always rivalries between sports teams and stuff in mm-hmm. like U.S. and Canada, but I think. There must be some kind of school rivalry in Japan because that comes up in a lot of games that I played that involve high school kids. There's they're always talking about rival schools and how they need to do something to defeat this school, and it seems like they're always in competition. Yeah. That happens oh. a lot in this country. Uh, whenever schools are just in really close proximity, so it happens in a lot of cities and a lot of towns with multiple high schools, like in Newtown and Sandy Hook, it's a big thing. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a, a big thing in Japan, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it must be cultural there. Like I, I don't mm. remember ever having rival schools when when I grew up. That's yeah, probably because it's so like friendly. the next the next <laughs> school is like 500 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to say that only nicer when I said yeah, like maybe when schools are a little bit closer to each other, <laughs> <laughs> when you actually get to see another kid. <laughs> 
If it weren't for uh, the internet, you guys would still be. Uh, when you when you have to take a six hour bus ride, you're pretty cranky when you get out. You better <laughs> take those guys down. So I actually, I bought Rival. There's a girl I had a crush on in high school. I bought her, because this is how you win a girl's heart, I bought her a PlayStation and Rival Schools. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously? Yeah, I don't know. That is awesome. I don't know. Did it work? (laughs) um, We were friends for a while. (laughs) Friend zone, huh? Yeah, super friend zone. Oh, no. And now she lives like... A thousand miles away. Can you Facebook her and say, hey, can, you that, can I get that PlayStation Rival Schools <laughs> yeah, back? That game's <laughs> actually kind of valuable. Can I grab it? <laughs> you still got that sitting around? Oh, I bet she sold it a while ago. She probably gave it away. It was like a flea market. <laughs> oh, it was worth anything. Yep. Oh, man. But yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, play but, Rival Schools. I didn't play Project Justice. I yeah, knew it was Project a sequel, Justice. Though. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think it, it, it. Well, Rival Schools wasn't big to begin with. So, no, no. Uh, this is even not as big uh, on Dreamcast. So uh, it's a little pricier, but mm-hmm. still, it's a cool Capcom fighting game. Uh, so you guys see the trend? Like, I keep throwing in like cheapo, like a oh, game for a buck or two. It's fun, and you guys are like, well, it's fifty dollar like minimum. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Shinmu's cheap, and you beat that one up. Yeah, I did. It's actually getting up there. It's like 30 bucks now. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, this thing is so common. It's everywhere. And and uh, just to mention, uh, the last thing about Shenmu is there is that limited edition that came with the soundtrack disc, right? There you so go, right? So that's kind of like, you know, if you're if you're going to go for one, like, you know, make sure you get that limited ed, uh, you know, soundtrack or like passport disc or whatever it was that it came with. Uh, I just want to. Uh, I just want to mention this just for. Uh, if I hover over, or when Krabby moves his pointer around in the Google Doc, it says "anonymous dingo." <laughs> <laughs> What's mine say? Bill. Oh, because he's not name. logged in. Yeah, he's that's not right. In. He's anonymous dingo. So there you go. Uh, stop, all right. Stop eating babies, Krabby. What you got, anonymous dingo? Um, we. I know we talked about it very briefly earlier. Uh, Power Stone. But I want to bring up the second one because it oh, does something yeah. very important that the first one didn't do. And more that, powerful stones? Yes, more <laughs> powerful stones. Uh, four players. It, it literally becomes like a like a party game now. The, like the first one kind of had the building blocks for it, but once you have four players, it's just like pandemonium constantly. It's so much more fun. Yeah, I never got into Power Stone One. Power Stone Two was the jam. You can't go backwards once you played. Two, like it's so hard to go back to one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically like uh, like thrill kill. Is that what you're trying to say? I don't get the reference. <laughs> you're like Captain America. <laughs> now, now, did you did now did one have moving levels like two did? Like where you're like on an elevator and like you could get knocked off and stuff like that. They definitely. Got a little more creative in two. They're, they're a lot more interactive, and there's parts where, like, a boulder will chase all four of you out of the screen on two, and you will run right. down a hallway while still fighting until you get to the end where the boulder <laughs> can't kill you. And like, right. Like, like, that's yeah. like the level design, uh, and as well as the multiplayer in two. Like, it's, 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 uh, it just improves on every little thing. Like, I think you, you, you said it the right way. Like, building, one had building blocks. And everything in two builds on one. Yeah, it had really good ideas, and it was awesome. And two just did everything right and nothing wrong, so that it's it's just you can't go backwards. 
So, uh, you know, the strange thing to me is that Dreamcast dies, Power Stone dies. Did it a collection on the PSP? Okay, Power <laughs> Stone all, all dies. All two of them collected together. The, the, the PSP, is that a joke? <laughs> the PSP looks like a tombstone. <laughs> it's almost as bad as the Vita. Oh. <laughs> no, that's, that's, the Vita is like a monument. You know, you stick, <laughs> stick that thing in the ground. The you definitely can't stick it in your pocket, that's for sure. No, I have to uh, put it in my backpack <laughs> and then carry it with me. Risk the pain. I do, though, because Lower it's back great. pain. And I play Final Fantasy X every day. So, Bill, you got anything left? Um, you know what? I actually don't. That's uh, of, of you know, there's there's definitely more games that I, you know, have on the Dreamcast and that I enjoy. Oh, actually, no, I have one more. Okay. My last one, uh, one of my absolute favorite two- and four-player uh, sports experiences, Virtua Tennis. That was such a big title for oh, some reason man. for people that Virtual never tennis played tennis. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like I remember like like it was on like a demo disc or like the official Dreamcast magazine or something or like I played it in a store on a kiosk and it was like am I crazy or is that <laughs> awesome? <laughs> and yeah. then we we all bought, you know, virtual tennis. We would have tournament like we had like a whiteboard where we have tournaments <laughs> and like, you know, like do round robin with this thing and all it was like you had like your regular hit and you had like your top spin so that the ball accelerated. Then you had your lob, and it was so arcadey. Like people would like you know get into these like volley matches, like dunk, 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 faster and faster. And, yep. And then it's like the first one to hit lob, and then it goes up over. And then it's no. You knew as soon as they hit it. Virtua Tennis is awesome. And then a little bit later, uh, Tennis Two K Two, which is a sequel. Um, it wasn't bad. They tried to make it a cross between like a sim and an arcade and it didn't really work. Um, it's not a bad game, but Virtua Tennis 1, I think, is uh, uh, clearly better. I used to have the arcade machine for that and my favorite part was when you're like, you're running for the ball and like you, you keep the guy who you keep hitting it to keeps hitting it to the like the left side of the court so you're yeah. running left and then they finally hit it right and you go left and then you try and hit right and your guy like stumbles and falls on his ass <laughs> like on the court, and you're like no because every other game like you'll you'll just instantly dive the direction you're pushing with that one yeah he's made you fall because you hit the wrong way first yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta work on your footwork yep uh yeah, no, Virtual Tennis, and but you're right. Yeah, Virtual Tennis, like it, it's the sales numbers on that game were way better than they had any right to be. Oh yeah, <laughs> a tennis game on the Dreamcast, <laughs> but it was a real like, and the reviews were fantastic, and everybody, like everyone who played it, was like, listen, I'm not a tennis person, but I am enjoying this game very, very much. So uh, we had a great time with Virtual Tennis. Yeah, tell me any other system retrospective that you're going to do that's going to like highly feature a tennis game besides Virtual Boy because yeah. you have to. There isn't one <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's not. It's it's uh it's what very, about, very uh, table tennis on the 360. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rockstar's yeah. table tennis. That thing did crazy. It did. I, it's you know because <laughs> it had Rockstar. Yeah, it's not like no one's remembering the. Uh, epic gameplay of Rockstar Table Tennis. Right. Yeah, they are. Come on. They they were like racist like in that the, game, so the Chinese guy was like the best player and you could not beat him. Well, it's not racist. It's just relevant. It's real. <laughs> didn't, you watch, didn't you watch Forrest Gump? <laughs> yeah. Well, he was the first one to visit Atlanta, China in like a thousand years or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
Well, I've got another one I'm going to mention that uh, we didn't get over here, but I think probably is definitely worth um, at least throwing out there because it did come out in Japan and Europe, and that's Res. Res. Um, and we did get Res here eventually on the 360. PS2. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was a PS2 yep. version, right? Yeah, I, I forgot about that. It. Um, but Res was... Um, uh, this strange music shooter hybrid idea that was so stylized. Uh, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain unless you've played it, right? I mean, how else it would is. you – and you sort of evolve if you do well <laughs> in playing. I don't know yeah. if that's not even the right term. There, there's no way anyone's going to – like you could talk about it for like 10 minutes and then <laughs> – and then someone could watch a YouTube video of it and be like, "Oh, that's not what he said at all." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it's it, it's very difficult to uh, put into words the visual experience of this game, and kind of like I can't imagine how a person would tell a group of people, "This is the <laughs> game I want to make." I would. I, I think they should like have videotapes in every like pitch meeting because I would love mm. to like hear the pitch for something like this. Like, how do you convince people this will make them money? Right. I, yeah, well, again, here we go. The Dreamcast, right? Throw it at the wall, see what sticks, and some amazing, crazy thing come out, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the ability to kind of mash together this kind of very rhythmic experience to, f to a shooter, it just works really well. It just, um, yeah, like you say, it's really hard to describe res at all. Um, in whatever way you can play it, you should check out Res, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's at least worth a, a play or two. Um, I think the last thing we can probably end on, at least in terms of uh, games, and then we'll do a quick wrap-up, is uh, I want to mention Bleem, right? <laughs> yeah, it's worth mentioning. Um, so there was a big thing for a while where um, everybody was talking about Bleem, and Bleem was a PlayStation 1 emulator. For um, computers and Dreamcast, right? Yeah, I, I sometimes I forget about this, but you could buy Bleem in like a big box PC box for like thirty bucks. <laughs> yeah, and just pop and it, the games in. Yep, and you would install it on your machine, and then once it was in there, you could put a PlayStation game in there and play it on your. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but yeah, it was this uh, like emulation software, and there was a you know Dreamcast version that was. Uh, long delayed from kind of like when they first announced it until like when it kind of finally came out. Uh, but it did eventually uh, come out. And um, unfortunately they had to kind of scale back. So what they ended up is they did, um, they called it Bleemcast and mm -hmm. they would do a version of this emulator specific to a game, right? Right. Yep. So you'd kind of have like, uh, uh, like, like Bleemcast Metal Gear Solid. Yep. Or Bleemcast Gran, uh, Gran Turismo. Yeah, there was only a handful of them. And I remember how, like, all the screenshots, it was like, whoa, it'd be like playing a PlayStation game, only, like, it would look really, really good. Um, I was really into this, and I was really following it a lot. And But it, they also kept running into legal troubles, because, you know, obviously Sony doesn't want them to uh, to release this thing. So, like, and Bleem's a small company where they're like, listen, you know, we're fighting Sony, we're doing the best we can, so. Yeah, and they weren't breaking any laws, but Sony has so many high power attorneys, they can just bury you. And John Chan. Yeah. yeah I think Phoenix, and Phoenix Wright was on the case. <laughs> <laughs> 
But that's it. Even if there's no merit, they can just keep throwing them at you until you bleed money, right? right. And you can't until get you, one you're just long. bleeming money. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but I played Metal Gear Solid using the Blimcast, and it really it it's like the first HD remake. You know what I mean? Right. It yeah, totally made that game look amazing. Yeah. Um, at the and time, even some of the even some of the screenshots. I mean, you can just anyone listening, you can just Google like you know just Bleem or Bleemcast, and you can see just some of the like the Ridge Racer, the Gran Turismo, the Metal Gear comparisons. Like the screenshots are one thing, seeing it and in, in action and motion. Uh, it, it's really a big improvement. Yeah. And even after Blame died, a lot of people kind of f- did like a hack to it where you could play a whole bunch of different games. I remember that for a while. So, um, right. It was pretty cool. So that was neat. That was the first time, I think, only time I can ever think of how you could play another system's games on, on yours, like a competitor system, right? Uh, Coleco? Yep. <laughs> Oh, you're right. Yeah, because you had the Atari like expansion <laughs> module one, right? But that was hardware. I'm doing pretty good today. Yeah, I'm oh, like, That's pretty good. <laughs> Except that's for that good. Shenmue thing. Yeah. <laughs> and VV. Uh, that was a big thing back then, too. <laughs> and uh, I think actually Atari did sue Coleco, but they lost, right? I think they lost that. Really? Oh, I don't, I don't remember that. I think they did. I think they did sue Coleco, but they lost because they didn't have any... Uh, proprietary hardware in that thing. Uh, they built it at Radio Shack. Just about. Off-the-shelf mm. parts. Yeah. Uh, so, finally, let's talk about the death of the Dreamcast. So, as we said... Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. When, it, when did that happen? <laughs> well, technically, <laughs> I maybe still, no, Mine's not. still running. Yeah, but... Uh, oh, you're talking about, like, commercially in the U.S. Right, as far as uh, Sega sunsetting the product. Hmm. Uh, so, as we mentioned, that launched on 9999 discontinued in the US in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, no, that's, so. that's two years longer than the 32X lasted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just wow, right? Yeah. Um, and that that was that was sad times because this was a solid like I never ever ever felt like this system was behind Except like in the couple categories of like, you know, the sports games and like, uh, uh, you know, like the, my personal taste in RPGs. I really felt like there was a lot of solid stuff on it. Um, it's, uh, uh, apparently, you know, a lot of people didn't agree. Yeah. Um, I was surprised when I did a little research to find out though that even though Dreamcast hardware stopped in Japan, they kept releasing games all the way. And the last release in Japan was in 2007. Mm. For Dreamcast. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That is, is incredible. Yeah, they kept bringing over like these Naomi games to Dreamcast over there. So, wow, fantastic. Um, what a so, cool name. <laughs> what's that? The Naomi hardware? Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, a cool name. It's my wife's name. She was pretty excited when we got that Virtua Tennis when she found <laughs> you that You told out. her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's like, can we call that one Big Naomi? <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, do do you ever like uh, if like she's like in the other room? Do you ever yell like Naomi? And she's like, "Which one? <laughs> you talking to me or or big Naomi?" <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the death of the Dreamcast just for a moment because it probably uh, won't take long. But it's pretty um, sad. I think it kind of really surround centers on to 
kind of pivot points, I think, to the most part. Uh, number one, Sega was hemorrhaging money. Um, they were having a very difficult time, Sega Japan, uh, financially, and they just couldn't keep, they just couldn't keep fighting. They had to throw in the towel. They couldn't do it. And then this is my thought on it, and I'll see what you guys think as well. I think the biggest misstep they made with the Dreamcast, honestly, is no DVD playback. I think that is there is some merit to that. It It's hard to argue against that when you see how well the PS2 did over the other three, and none of the other three. I guess the Xbox did if you bought the stupid controller. Yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but we have to re- remember, at the time... Uh, DVD players were very expensive. Well, yeah. I mean, you could... So the PlayStation 2, so many people bought that, you know, with like kind of like, like, yeah, it's a little more expensive, but like whatever, it's also a DVD player. Exactly. There were so... Like, and it wasn't just a few people doing that. Like, there was a ton of people doing that. And there's a lot of people, because the Dreamcast got the head start, right? So a lot of people, uh, hey, this Dreamcast is out now. And they're like, oh, well... You know, the PlayStation's not too far around the corner, and it's right. got the DVD thing. Like, a lot of people held out. Um, and uh, that's, uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of little things, but I think there's a lot to the DVD playback and the, uh, you know, people waiting for, like, the thing around the corner. Yeah, um, because, yeah, like you said, you know, a DVD player at the time was, like, $200. Mm-hmm. So a $300 PlayStation 2 doesn't sound bad at all, right? No, yeah. Uh, so it just, that was probably saying it just didn't, you know, it's amazing with how much other technology they bundled into this thing. They just didn't see that one coming. Right. Right. They just didn't see it until it was too late because think, imagine if it had come out first with DVD playback. Yeah. End of story, right? Even if it it was a hundred dollars more. Especially with those early, uh, shipping problems that Sony was having. They could have really capitalized on that. Yeah. Um, what a shame. I think that was probably a big misstep. And then eventually just the Sony juggernaut, right? Just, there were just so many games. Yeah, Sony had a, a good brand going into PS2, and uh, Sega didn't quite have the same brand it used to have. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, think, I think people now forget how huge playstation 2 actually was oh yeah um uh because i mean there are there are consoles like the wii that have enormous software libraries but without you know the 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 ratio of good games to not good games um is is it's pretty obvious which direction that goes but playstation 2 had a ton of games and a ton of really good games. And just sales-wise, like, the Wii was tracking higher than the PS2 at first, mm. but it didn't have the the long-lasting appeal that the PS2 did. It eventually petered out, and the PS2 kept going, like, crazy strong for many more years than the right. Wii was able to. Well, we know. I mean, we just... they You were able to buy brand-new PS2s until, like, about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And they still made a game last year for PS2, a EA Sports game, right? 
So, I mean, that's an amazing longevity for that system. Yeah. Yeah, it really just totally crushed uh, all the competition. Was and, it? The- and, I, and I think the financial uh, problems you were talking about, um, I think that has a lot to do with it because, you know, when you have a war chest, uh, like, you know, Sony does, like Microsoft does, like Nintendo does, um, you know, you can afford to make some mistakes. You can afford to throw a whole bunch of money toward a new initiative. Um, with the problem Sega was having, even if they knew, okay, we think we know the direction we're going is no good. We think this is what we need to do to fix it. This is what it's going to take to do it. Even if they had all that info, they're going to be like, well, we're a little light on the end, so we're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But they made the announcement they were going to go third party and. Yep. That was the end of that, right? And, and uh, for for people who grew up with Sega, see, the first time you saw Sonic on a Nintendo system <laughs> was a really weird day. <laughs> yeah, and um, I don't know what your opinions of Sega are, but um, they've never recaptured the glory days. They've just yeah. never been able to do it. Um, even with their software, it's not been as great. No, there's there's still one of the few bigger publishers that's willing to put out something quirky at least once in a while. That's yeah. probably fair. They'll they'll put out a Valkyria Chronicles or a Bayonetta or they'll they don't do it as often as they used to, but they'll they'll still take the odd chance and and put out some really cool stuff. Yeah, but uh, such a shame. All right, so um, that's our thoughts on the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, we'd like to hear what you think. Uh, what did you love about the system? Um, was it ahead of its time? Is it uh, Should it have lasted longer than it did if Sega didn't run into the financial troubles they did? Um, do you have love for the system? What were your favorite games? But uh, be sure and let us know. All right. Well, thanks everybody again for listening to another episode of the Collector Cast. Uh, I want to thank my co-host. So, Bill Krabby, thanks for being along. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, just to wrap up, as usual, there's a couple different places that you can find the show. So, uh, Bill, where can people get us? Uh, I would just go right to iTunes.com. Is that a real thing? iTunes.com? It probably not. But if you, <laughs> I but don't if know. you Google iTunes.com, it'll probably take you to Apple.com slash iTunes okay. where you can install iTunes and download the podcast. It may very well be a thing. You got to try that. I don't know. Maybe it is. Krabby, where else? Uh, podcast Pickle, of course. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> but everyone's favorite uh, podcasting vegetable. <laughs> Pickle vegetable. I don't know. Uh, and uh, you can uh, find us at collectorcast.com. We've got an RSS feed there that you can shove into your favorite podcatcher, right? Where else, Bill? Um, you can probably go to uh, Podomatic, Stitcher, Smart Radio. Yes, you could do those, Podomatic or Stitcher, absolutely. If they want to chat with us, Krabby, how can they do that? Uh, they can't chat with me on Twitter, but they can chat with you on Twitter. They can chat That's with right. me on rfgeneration.com. Certainly. Yeah. If they, they want can. to chat with Krabby, they can say, Hey, Duke, can you give this message to Krabby for me? <laughs> That's right. And then that's what generally it. happens. Yes. 
Um, so at CollectorCast or on Facebook, just CollectorCast. We're also CollectorCast on YouTube. never gives me any of those messages. <laughs> All the ones I get are just, is Krabby on Twitter? No. <laughs> no, he's not. You can find him on Facebook if you look at his store page. So that's about all I can pass along. Uh, but yeah, social media, hit us out Actually, there. We're I, cast. Yeah, I, I did get a comment on my store page. Like there, there was a big list, like 20 comments or something. And right in the middle, someone mentioned Axe Battler. <laughs> <laughs> Very randomly. I can't escape him. That's right. The listeners are everywhere. Well, thanks everybody again for uh, listening to us. And we'll see you next time. Want no musical interlude? <laughs> um, I couldn't think of anything Dreamcast launchy. Uh, you can do like the Hang startup on. jingle. What is it like? Uh, oh, like Sonic Adventure? I don't know. I remember the Sonic Adventure theme. Like, can right? you do the the turn on sound? Wasn't it like? <laughs> oh yeah, like yeah like but and the, the sonic it, it, well sonic had some pretty heavy guitar riffs and we can oh, talk yeah. about that like in uh, and we actually uh, I, i'll save a little bit for the thing but uh i remember getting to the title screen and it was like <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it was very it was like whoa oh man yeah sonic for the 90s yeah i, I got a story <laughs> about the, the music in that game i'll save for the segment Cool, cool.